Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hi. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to... I mean, I, I'm nothing... Nothing's going on. We just had a a long business meeting before this, so now I'm just like... Poor Eva. Every time we record, Eva's like, I just have a couple of things to go over. And then Em and I act like surly teenagers the whole time. And we're like, it's probably just me. But uh, we're like, fine, whatever. You know, we're just kind of like, you know, we're, we're just... I don't know. I don't know the right word, but it's like... She, I'm just the, poor re- Eva's the messenger. And we're like just <laughs> over all this... The, oftentimes not great news she's bringing it's not bad stuff it's just like complications and logistics and em and i are sitting here like meh we don't want to deal with this right now so we've developed a new procedure yeah we're now gonna have a sad happy hour once a week where (laughs) instead of instead of eva telling us things right before we record she's gonna just have one meeting a week where she tells us all the stuff that like could possibly bum us out uh and we can kind of like troubleshoot and not not feel the looming pressure of having to record right afterwards so we're 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 developing new strategies listen you learn you grow you evolve i'm excited to try it i like that we're calling it sad happy hour and it's me too and i was telling them i just got a shirt that says sad girls club and i'm so excited to wear this to our first inaugural happy sad hour and by the way anyone who is like you know reading into things it's like they're not really bad things (gasps) they're just they're just us being babies about not wanting to hear about logistics it's just children we're just children we're just small children and we can't regulate our emotions or like (laughs) or like poor eva has been and also you know we have another person that works with us katie who's you know is does a lot of admin and logistics and smart stuff who's incredibly helpful but they all you know talk to venues before we ever go and so they're always telling us like the behind the scenes stuff of how projectors work yeah they're like things slight like that. problem like, like the projector shattered into a million pieces that did not happen anywhere i'm just trying to give an example but don't worry they're fixing it and em and i are like 
helpless. <laughs> like, it's all, like, what do it's, we do? <laughs> like, sad happy hour is going to be reserved for the times where Eva kind of tells us, like, oh, um, something bad almost happened, but now something good's happening. But don't worry. But, but it always, it always, she does happen. send us through like a roller coaster, you know? Yeah, Eva just texted, by the way, and said the projector shattering literally did happen in San Diego. Oh, wait. So. <laughs> but to be fair, we were all there. So it yeah. wasn't like you had to break the news. <laughs> we were all really uh, watching it happen in, in real time. Um, that did happen, yes. But but uh, we won't name names of where, and they did figure it out. San Diego. Actually, wait. <laughs> I, think they, I think everyone there knew because we were like, sorry, this show's an hour late. The projector fell off the ceiling. You know, just normal <laughs> things. Just um, normal podcasts things anyway that's something that you know if we had more time would we would have been debriefed at sad happy hour so um, yes yes anyway i encourage all of you if you are uh, a supervisor or a manager <laughs> i encourage you having a sad happy hour okay we're, we're encouraging we haven't tried it yet so we can't say it's a tried and true method but we're pretty confident the concept is sound where i would say it's happy hour so people bring their snackies and their drinks and right. you just because we're doing a two five, it. we're doing a two five. So you're at two o'clock, I'm at five o'clock. So yes. mine is like actual happy hour time. Yours is like prime snack time. Snack time. So yeah. we're hoping this kind of works. Um, but it, I think I it holds promise. I would it say it does. I think it's like this is just one way to get through the, you know, the less rigmarole. The rigmarole. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh man, I think I think a snacky's gonna really help me out here. I just I think... feel so bad because we sit there and we're like, poor <sighs> <laughs> Eva's like, and well, one more thing. Well, like, I also I do fe- I feel very bad for you know Eva and all of our lovely admin who help out. But you know, a lot of venues we've been dealing a lot at the time with like uh, ADA compliance because I can't use stairs these days, right. and it's like, a lot so of it's, logistical. It's a lot of conversations about like, you know, can we do ramps? How do we get you backstage? Blah, blah, blah. So it's and that's it's a lot of back the, and forth. So it's like, oh, I went forth. back and I circled back and I pre- per my previous email. And so, you know, they handle all the difficult stuff. We just have to sit here and complain so, about it. You know what so I mean? So we are toddlers because we yeah, have exactly. to do nothing. They have to do all the <laughs> back and forth phone calls. And we're acting like we're completely behalf. inconvenienced. So yeah. Um, Anyway, that's yeah. probably the most diva thing about us. Eva, thoughts on that? Eva, Never mind. Don't oh, say anything. I hear, I hear crickets. That's not good. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Well, anyway, sad happy hour. It's something that I'm both sad and happy to try. So I'm kind of um, loving it because it also fits our brand. Like I know it's just a per- like a it's an in- intra work intra personal thing, but it really fits mm. the brand of the show too. So you know, I don't if know this why really we works, haven't been having happy hour, and then that's why we drink this entire time. Well, we have. We just never stuck with it, which is why I'm not a hundred and ten percent sure this will really work as well as we hope because we've tried a couple like remember we were gonna do like a monthly happy hour with like katie and eva and you know megan on social media and then like we did one and it just never happened again but i think the problem was it went like three hours long and so we were like wow this is we never did it again because it was so much fun but we also realized we took our like people's nights from a lot of time everyone went to bed at like midnight and i was like oh we did not mean to do that it just fell in that way um yeah anyway wow we're gonna everyone like being involved in our like office talk i mean it's so boring sorry guys it's like the uh the water cooler talk of and that's why we drink you know oh how do we not have any specials called the water cooler i feel like that'd be fun i'm really into it yeah i think so let's work what special what we'll shop it 
I don't know. Like a oh, special okay. <laughs> episode. I don't know. It's too oh, late to make new things happen, is it? Hang on. It's not too what? late to make new things. We just made a sad happy hour today. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. What if we do a water cooler? Maybe that can be our Patreon name. Remember when we couldn't come up with a name? The water cooler. Yeah. So we call we it could. after chat. Well, it's like a more, but af- and that's why we drink sound because that's like office. Oh, sound. you're right. You're right. Like we need like a water cooler at a at a pub. You know. What about uh open bar? Oh. Haven't we oh, said Christine. this already? I feel like I'm having like deja vu, like we've already discussed this. I don't know. I, maybe it was in a dream I had. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I like it though, open bar, you know, just kind of. I like it. Speaking of open bar, uh, I don't mean to brag, but I'm pretty sure I'm employee of the month uh, up in space at the Star Tenders Academy. So You are? I, I have not been told, but I am saying I was on a fucking roll last night. So, so proud of you, Em. I had my shift. It was at one in the morning. I worked for about, you know, an hour, two hours and uh, made a, about 120 drinks. Didn't mess up Fuck one of them. Yes. Had a good I'm time. so proud of time. you. I would like a shirt that says employee of the month, you know, so at from some the point, grog shop, from the grog shop, from ye Somebody... old grog tavern. Yes. <laughs> Sadie made the most amazing illustration of your grog shop on instagram did you see it i saw i saw it. it's like beautiful it was to die for and it looks it's oddly similar to the bar i work at so yeah i feel like maybe they knew they were onto something there because they really it nailed it i think so anyway that's why i drink this week because i have declared myself bartender of the week um the aliens (laughs) really can't confirm or deny because they're not real so there you, you know what um with that attitude of course not but if, in my if world if your boss wasn't real you would just give yourself titles all the time so i'm gonna i'm gonna if lean my into boss, it can i tell you something if my boss wasn't real i would do zero work ever so you're already way ahead of me and i think you deserve employee of the month because i would do nothing <laughs> well to be fair i'm your boss and you're my boss and we ah, fuck <laughs> so that's why we're back in a sad today. happy everything circles back to this sad happy hour sappy hour no ha- no had Hmm. Hmm. Open bar. Open bar. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just have an open bar and skip all the other stuff. Yeah. Why do you drink this week, Christine? I don't know, Em. I'm just in a mood today. And I made Blaze take me to Jungle Gyms and buy like 80 bags of candy. Um, Mm. And so I I bought like, oh my God, so many kinds. So I did like the pick your own, you know, where they weigh it. I did that, of course, with like... Um, you know, gummy sharks and atomic fireballs and these old timey strawberry ones that I love. Oh, love them. Um, and then I also did uh, like the, where are they? I didn't bring them, but like the kind of old school, like Amish candies, the hard candies. Mm. And I got them in like 10 different flavors and then I shoved them all in my nightstand. So at night I'm just like rustling around while Blaze is trying to sleep. That's but, like um, uh, Eva's girlfriend has uh, night nuts. Uh, what is that? I know way too much about Eva's girlfriend, but Eva's girlfriend has night nuts where she keeps n- nuts in her nightstand so she can rummage through like a okay, little I animal say, in the middle I of the night. I want to say like, wow, you know way too much, but also that is the kind of thing that Rachel would tell somebody on their first meeting. With, without prompting. Without yeah. any prompt. Like, I want to be like, whoa, that's really intimate, but like, no, that's something Rachel would tell How do you us. think I know about the night nuts? I never I said, do you have night nuts? I, I know. <laughs> I know. But that's what I'm saying. It's not that you're like in the inner workings of it's just kind of that's the kind of thing she will announce to 
you know, oh, no one in particular. It's exactly how it happened. And by the way, I also don't think I asked what type of nuts the night nuts were, but I was still told. <laughs> well, that was your they, big mistake. <laughs> they are almond butter covered almonds. Wow, that's pretty meta i would say so if you're looking for some night nuts for your i always stand those if you want to be just like eva's girlfriend that's what you gotta and do and i do and we all know it so yeah i think maybe <laughs> that'll be i'll go to jungle gyms and see what's in stock you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay mm-hmm, do you mm-hmm. oi christine well that mm-hmm. was a lot of a lot of banter i have we a just headache did. i keep getting headaches <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like it's you that's the problem that's fine that's probably true <laughs> anyway uh, that's the end I, of my complaint uh, i'm sorry you have a headache i would give you you know some some stuff from the apothecary behind <gasps> me but um again you're not you here, know so i have these two little apothecary bottles you see i've been putting up little shelves oh by the way i put this fake plant in my webby look that's so smart isn't that cute it, don't it's let like allison a- hear it she's gonna take my <laughs> webbies and start filling them with dirt and plants we have plenty to spare wink okay um, <laughs> no, so I put a fake eucalyptus in it, you know, and I put it under the skull picture that somebody made us. That's so um, smart. I was so into it, but I have little apothecary bottles because you left them in the rental car by mistake. Oh, um, did I? Oh, shit. <laughs> so, but Wait, I didn't want to. Why? Why did I have apothecary bottles in the rental car? <laughs> <laughs> was it for my night nuts? What happened? I have I no, I have no memory of this. Night no- nuts. Okay, so our 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 pal Jess, who does the newsletter, uh, came to the show, the Boston show, with her oh. friend Molly, and Molly brought um, us little gifts. And mm-hmm. uh, Molly has an apothecary and brought you two pretty little like glass bottles. Um, and then I found them in the back seat along with the Happy Meal toys that Eva and I gave you. So why did I? Why would I have left those? I must have rejected. thought I. I must have thought I was getting back. In well, the car. I kept them for you, and I kept them. I kept the 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 letter that came with it. Okay, um, good. So it's all here for you. But I'm just letting you know that they're here in safekeeping. Um, but all, also, uh, yeah, I think that speaking of apothecary, I do kind of have my own apothecary here. I have some Excedrin, so I think it's I'm all of your vape that. pens. What? <laughs> all my vape pens and my Excedrin. Well, Christine, look, these are all my like empty bottles that I need to use. <gasps> Those and are gorgeous. I know. I love them. And so oh. there's like, I'm trying, I have to figure out what to do with it's all the them. It's the colored though. glass that really does it for me. You have no idea, Christine. I've been collecting the colored glass. And this yellow one, by the way, was like from Michael's or something. It was like really? just, just in a craft shop, like in the craft section, it was like a quarter. And well, then, you know, remember when that we went to Michael's at one time and bought a bunch of crap for my house and it was mm-hmm. Halloween season and I was pregnant and we bought all those like tests and tubes and whatever mm. and so at halloween i always fill them and then i put a couple drops of food coloring and i make like different for halloween decorations i fill all the vials with different colored water Genius. i feel like you could do that with the bottles that you don't have anything in to make them just kind of like i have a suggestion for you with those tell me i think you should start putting your candies you just got out of your bags <gasps> in different vials and so you can you can make your own little potions of your favorite candy Stop. concoctions Stop. I can't. Right there. I in the can't. Name of all that is holy. I'm just saying, like, what if you put, like, little mini M&Ms in one, some Skittles in the other, and then you just made a bowl for yourself for a, for a movie night. A little you're really, I mean, think about it. Think about you get a big bowl of popcorn, then you're like, which toppings do I oh. want? Oh. oh, Christine. Oh, the possibilities oh. are endless. Oh, wow. We should Why just... did Eva take up all our time to talk about bullshit logistics when we could have been having this conversation now, this an hour ago? this is happy, ago. happy hour. This, this is... is the real... 
<laughs> where the magic happens. Eva, I would like our um, professional meetings to sound more like this, if you can do something <laughs> you know about that. Other bad part is that Eva's internet is out, so she went to the podcast department. Internet was out there, too. So she's somewhere at a Starbucks just she's so we can do this. down the street. Like, I feel like Recording. I have her... I feel like she's Oliver Twist, and I could, like, let her into my home, and she's no. just not here. Okay. No. Stay there. <laughs> Poor uh, Eva. Oh, poor Eva. She's probably already ditched us. She's like, well, mm-hmm. I told them what I needed to say, and now I'm going home. Um, Okay. Well, let's get into this. <laughs> now what? <laughs> I don't... There's nothing left but to work, Christine, unfortunately, mm-hmm. so... Oh, but I think you're going to have a real good time with this one. I can't wait. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This is uh, Blaze's favorite word, lore. And... uh, Lore, okay. (laughs) um, This is... I guess a 101 on doppelgangers. <gasps> oh. I'm so excited. <laughs> I thought you froze for a second. Um, I did. I did. But just in space and time. <laughs> <laughs> just chemically. Um, okay. So this, I really wanted it to be like a little creepier on. So I want it to be a little creepier. So there are stories, a very, very few. Um, I don't want people to think this is like going to turn to a whole listeners episode afterwards. But um, there's some little like snippets of people with doppelgangers. I feel like this is one of those topics that's like pri- like you need the anecdotes to like round out the story. Well, I am glad you said that because I, <laughs> I, I but at the same time, I 
I don't know. Let's just get into it and see what we what we get. This is more informational at first, so people know like what a doppelganger is. So, um, so it's German. Did you know that the word? Of course. Yep. Do you know what it means? Yeah, it means uh like a a du- uh I'm trying to think of the best translation. Double is like zwei, like zwei is German. Double is two or like double. God, my English. I mean, double doppel is double or two, and Ganga is just someone who goes or walks. Yeah, so it's German for double goer. Yeah, it you just doesn't it. have the right ring, <laughs> same ring. I guess, which is why we stuck with the German. I was gonna say thanks for translating your German into more German. Um, yeah, yeah, that was so like not helpful. I'm like, I'm like, supposed double like, means zwei. You're like, what the fuck? Those are both not English words anyway. Like, that's the most hoity-toity thing you've ever done. Is like, no, it's just <laughs> stupid, not hoity-toity. <laughs> so yeah, it's German for double goer. And uh, in 1787, there was a a provincial glossary that oh. defined a doppelganger as an apparition of a person living. Oh. Whoa. Oh, I like that, actually. Yeah, maybe that has the the ding you wanted. That's kind of the better way to describe it. So, And it's in English, too. It's a, that is a win, for sure. So the basic concept of a doppelganger is it's your exact lookalike, but it is not some random human who happens to look similarly to you. It right. is a non-human entity. Ooh. The modern ideal, it's the modern ideal of like your evil twin, because a lot of people uh, kind of associate doppelgangers with evil, um, but they aren't usually malicious. Most stories are they appear and then they're gone. Yeah. The idea is pretty old for a doppelganger. I mean, it's been around at least since the 1787 Seriously. provincial glossary, um, but the name itself was coined in 1796, uh, like officially the word doppelganger. And it was coined by a German author named Jean-Paul, which is a French name. Interesting. Mm, how intriguing. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the name was then popularized by a famous spiritualist who I would like to cover eventually. Her name is Catherine Ann Crow. Mm. And after she I started talking about doppelgangers, it kind of took off. There, there are some other names for doppelgangers. There's Double Walker, Shadow Self, Second <gasps> Self. Um, Ooh, Shadow Self is good. Isn't that spooky? Yeah, it is. So the second self or the additional self or whatever phrase you're more familiar with, that's its own like ancient concept at this point. Um, the second self in a lot of cultures and beliefs comes from the, the thought that we have a physical body and a spiritual body. Okay. And the spiritual body is your second self. Sometimes the spiritual body is called the subtle body. Apparently that's more commonly used in like Eastern practices. Mm. And then in Western practices, they'll call it the celestial body or the astral Ooh. body. Um, I've also heard radiant body. There's body of life. It's a body. Um, yeah. Obviously. And uh, this second body is said to be able to travel away from our physical, physical selves, often while being invisible. Um, which we have talked about astral travel yeah. quite a lot on this show. Um, but like I said, a lot of times it's the second self is invisible. So when it detaches from you and travels around, nobody knows that it's happening. Oh. Um, and this is actually a process. Uh, so physical by spiritual or self, second self, 
When the second self leaves, it's often invisible. But when it is visible, apparently there's times where people see your astral body and not your physical body by accident. <gasps> and it could look like a doppelganger of sorts. I like that and- it's by accident. Oops. I, I imagine, right? I don't, unless you're <laughs> yeah. like really trying for people to, I don't know. I don't know how that happens, but apparently it's called bilocation. Ooh. When you can be visibly seen in two places at okay, the same I time. Okay. I love that idea. Bilocation. That's cool. So when you're astral projecting in your sleep, I'm going to need you to really try extra hard for me to be able to see you so we can see if bilocation is what's going on. Why don't you just see me by accident? That'll be easier for both of us. <laughs> I know. Then <laughs> I don't have to try so hard. <laughs> So, uh, fun fact, Pythagoras uh, uh-huh. of the theorem, uh, <laughs> he allegedly could bilocate and he would go to, and this is what's weird to me. I, I, I don't know too much about bilocation. I thought I was going to end up in like a backroom situation and my head was right. going to explode from science. <laughs> um, but apparently this, you can intentionally split off and be seen in two different spaces and that is what pythagoras allegedly could do they say he he could bilocate and be seen in different cities hanging out with two different groups of people at the same time oh my god so he was just like living it up it wasn't just like oh he would appear it's like he's actually living he's like being intentional with this and like he's he's, like zach and codying all over the place he's reclaiming his time yes for him and also like how on earth is that math theory the thing that he's known for if i'm saying like hello they're burying the lead he could literally carbon copy himself but it's like no big deal whatever so uh these concepts, however, of bilocation, the astral body, all this, they all refer to two versions of you being in two places at once, like your actual oh. self. But a doppelganger is not a second you. It is another entity mimicking you. <gasps> I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. So these are different concepts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... uh doppelgangers are not actually you you cannot control them you cannot decide where they're going what they're doing what their plans are all at the same time they are perfectly mimicking you and can Mm. fool just about anyone because they look sound move smell act just like you in in every way all the way down to your laugh all the way down to i don't know insert very small hair on your chin 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 yeah if you've got one little whisker you're maybe insecure about oh i do it's called my scar hair oh it grows out of my scar oh and every now and then blaze will say um your scar hair's back and i'm like damn it i have to go pluck it my mom is gonna kill me for this and she already i think she's screaming no from her car she she feels what i'm gonna say um she's gonna appear behind you as a doppelganger and be like (laughs) i swear to god (laughs) she's got she's got a little neck neck hair uh and she didn't know about it. I unfortunately uh, told her about it as like a teenager. And so now one of our favorite pastimes is when I'm in town, I pluck it for her. So oh, that's so thoughtful. <laughs> so it's just the one. Uh, yes. Because mine's just one, too. It's so weird. And it gets really long. I think I think everyone's got at least one and it makes no fucking sense. It's another thing that makes you it's think weird. bodies are crazy. Because bodies, like, bodies are crazy. I'm like, I pull this sucker out. I got this scar when I was three years old, and it's every for my whole life I'm plucking this thing out. Evo just volunteered information and said that she also has a chin hair, and her <laughs> girlfriend plucks it for her. So I think we see. This is what I'm this. saying about we know a lot about them and their relationship. Yeah, 
but like just you know not because we pry it like, just kind of comes I, to us like eva just kind of says it and then the volunteers and then the now i mean she's and dating I'm someone who also just says it i'm not complaining you know i love to get this intel and i need I to love, know i'm not the only one with the scar hair i love the info no i've got um i mean i've got coarse weird hairs like that just sprout nowhere you know what's so weird Hmm. i have two hairs i have one right here it's like uh, like where like what's the behind your bicep i don't fucking know tricep sure Uh, one right there and then i've got one behind my like earlobe where hair does not grow like hair weird like but both of them are the finest blondest hairs that are never there and then are like i'm not kidding like three inches long like and if you don't massive. know this about M, M has very dark hair. This is like a strange. It's like, and it's like platinum white. It happens one on my arm and what one behind phenomenon. my earlobe. And I didn't ever know about the ear one until I was dating Allison. And all of a sudden I like went to go like scratch my ear and I I could t- like, I could feel <gasps> something tugging. And I was like, Allison, you have to get it. And now like one of our favorite pastimes is her looking for my ear hair. I mean, I swear to God, it's like all three of us and our partners are just looking for our our hair our individual hairs like blaze is like the scar hair's back you know it's clearly i'm not a a hair person i'm a blackhead person and every time or any zit allison (sighs) is in danger every time that she's got like a breakout i'm like oh no let me at it oh my god there's nothing i love more than like the little them popping them i'm so oh i can't i just love it so much let's change the subject why did this even come up oh because i said all the hair on your chinny chin chin there's literally no (laughs) other reason than that but okay, but great point. If any of us were having a breakout or have a scar hair or something, our doppelganger yeah. would have that too. Um, they should. And if you check and they don't, then that's probably not me. Yeah. If you ever meet me and I have flawless skin and my ears are not hairy, then something's very wrong here. Something's awry. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, it all, it's also said that if you run into your doppelganger, that is not good. Which I, I've Mm-mm. heard that before where, like, if you see yourself, then it's an omen. Yeah. I've also, I've heard that, like, they're they're there to hurt you um, or only one of you can be in the space at one time. Yeah. Or else, like, something terrible happens. So it's very quickly gone into, like, a, a dark place where doppelgangers, like, imply evil. Uh-huh. In the UK and Ireland, they have a similar entity to a doppelganger called the Fetch. Um, and so if a doppelganger appears when you're about to get hurt, um, or, or appears, it implies that you will be hurt soon in some sort of omen way. Mm. A fetch specifically is a doppelganger that appears before someone dies. Oh no. So it's almost like, um, an omen. An omen. And like, like a black dog as an escort to <gasps> hell or something. These... It's like, hi, it's me. It's you. I'm you. And I'm bringing you straight to hell. Okay, that, that fits. What's the, what's the Taylor song? It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Uh... <laughs> and so are you, because you're me and I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the fetch will show up before someone dies. I also talked about that when we covered the Banshee. Um but oh, the yeah. difference between the banshee and the fetch is that uh, a banshee is said to do this, but not as a doppelganger. So, like mm-hmm. a banshee was like a very beautiful woman a lot of times, or just a random wailing human that would show up. <laughs> you know, uh, 
you know, but a fetch looks like you and it's going about your average usual day. Um, so honestly, no one even knows. It's such a weird like this is an omen, but half the people that it's like catch 22 or I don't know the right word. But yeah, exactly. It's like, how do you even determine that? Yeah, that's very trippy. Mm. Yeah, it's like thanks for the warning but also i didn't know yeah but also that warning sucked (laughs) send a better one next time at least a banshee is a great warning it's a beautiful woman who is just screaming bloody just fucking screaming like she gets your attention but you're like oh nothing good is happening now i get it like but like if i were recording with your fetch and they were talking about your scar hair i'd be like okay and be completely unaware that this was what a scar hair i don't have a scar hair yeah <laughs> oh wait hold on <laughs> it worked uh if uh if you're lucky by the way the fetch might appear for a near death experience instead of if you're lucky cool (laughs) (laughs) well if you're lucky usually it arrives to warn you that you're going to die but sometimes they appear to say like oh you're almost gonna die but you'll make it don't worry about it (laughs) so it's like very unhinged because it's letting you know something really fucking scary is gonna happen to you and best case scenario you almost die i just feel like i don't want to know you know like if if it's gonna happen no matter what i just like why just live with that that's that anxiety before i don't know it's i don't know where to, where i stand on this but it's another catch 22 because like as someone who lives with constant dread and anxiety it's like i'm already there how much worse could it be but like, right and like will it give me any sense of control maybe but is it worth it i don't know it's also one of those things of like final destination and yeah. evading fate it's like well if i get hit by a car then what if i just don't leave the house but then like a car could come running oh. through the wall you know like you know it's i i have no idea like we're it's becoming sad happy hour hang on um oh shit that's only dark. for monday at five o'clock um <laughs> so uh yeah the fetch is your doppelganger but will show up to i guess warn somebody maybe itself that you're about to go through something okay there's a story uh, from Ireland that this guy saw his brother's fetch and didn't know it was a fetch. Just mm-hmm. thought it was his brother walking up to him in a field. Uh, he said hey to his brother, but the brother said nothing and vanished before his very eyes. <sighs> and later, the guy found out that his brother was actually thousands of miles away. And <gasps> I guess he must have evaded death because he lived for another 25 years. Okay, so. well, that's a good sign, but i that's so interesting. That sounds almost like astral projection where you kind of yeah go to, to a loved one. Like, were you thinking about each other or something? Yeah, yeah. weird. Um, also, like, imagine just Zandy just walking up to you, but thousands you know, of miles he, away, though. He sleepwalks, so I can imagine it, and it's horrific because he walks Ugh. up to me and, like, his eyes are just totally red and glazed over and you'll be like hello what are you doing and he like won't answer he'll just stare at you so i do feel like i live with this pretty regularly anyway what if he's <laughs> never slept walked and it was always his fetch <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> i hit the wrong button I'm no sorry. that was the right button <laughs> okay fair maybe fate fate put fate led my finger to that button uh, there's also a, uh, 
there's a poet named Dora Sigerson Shorter who wrote a poem about a fetch <sighs> where a man was waiting outside for his girlfriend, but uh, she ended up being late. And when she got there, she said like, oh, I'm really sorry. I was behind a funeral procession, uh, procession um, and it was for this young woman. Uh, and it was really weird. They started digging a grave for her at a crossroads. Which, oh, uh, and so she got freaked out and she took off and the guy thought, I guess she has been late many times and he felt disrespected because he breaks up with her and, <laughs> Dick. Uh, and sorry, I was stuck behind a fucking funeral, but okay. Uh, heartbroken. The woman throws herself into a lake and drowns <gasps> all night long though. The guy hears his girlfriend crying and so he eventually goes out to try to find her but he gets stuck behind a funeral procession oh and because it ended up being his girlfriend's uh, which like by the way the turnaround on a funeral is crazy <laughs> yeah, i'm sorry to laugh but like <laughs> wow they were on it it's like he went to bed there was a funeral um Oops. also but, he wasn't invited that's pretty rude right so in this story uh he gets behind a funeral procession and it ends up being his girlfriend's. And because <sighs> she drowned herself and she took her own life, she was going to be buried under the crossroads. Oh my God. I get it. So over time, uh, the fetch has kind of evolved into, you know, uh, stories like that where you're, you're almost able to see a situation not even a person right uh, happening before you where you see your own fucking funeral going by horrifying um, there are also stories of the fetch appearing to people uh like bruised battered burned like looking in incredible pain essentially foretelling how the person will soon die so oh, no I, again i don't want to know so you could show up all bloodied and it's like <sighs> a, a warning of how That's it's horrible happen. One thing I thought was kind of interesting is uh, the fetch has also evolved in folklore over time to be more of like a familiar to a witch, like a little oh. animal. But they're known to, I think, I think this is right. I, my understanding is that familiars are shapeshifters uh, sometimes. And so uh, the fetch has become a familiar for witches that can disguise itself as the witch. <gasps> oh, I see. And basically be the witch's doppelganger. Okay. So, and the the version I saw, the source I saw, was that, uh, so, like, the witch never has to leave their house to go run errands. They can just make their familiar <laughs> now, do see, it. Now, see, you know, I fucking love that. Like, because my first thought, and I didn't want to say it because I'm like, this is going to sound so stupid but i was like my first thought was man it would be nice to have somebody to just like go run my errands for me and stuff you know it would be lovely and a, a, <sighs> hey which has found a way to do it so what a dream get yourself a doppelganger make one if you have to man i might in scotland there's another similar being to the doppelganger called the co-walker oh oh that's a good name too co-walker uh it it's apparently a fairy being um who shows up uh kind of whenever like doesn't really have a rhyme or reason it's not to warn you of death has no connection to death it's just a doppelganger that is borders okay. yeah <laughs> so uh this co-walker will participate in everyday activity you might think that you just saw blaze walk by brushing his teeth but it was a co-walker who just wanted to i guess have the experience um i hope it's worth it because <laughs> Yeah. It's not really an exciting thing to do, but whatever. 
It's truly like even the most mundane things people will that's see almost, a co-walker. I was going to say that is almost freakier though. Like, it's like why? It's the uncanny valley or something of like... Yeah. Like it feels creepier that there's no intention or no... No meaning or big bigger purpose. Yeah. Also when something mysterious or creepy or misunderstood appears, you usually are... You're prepared to be on edge. Yeah. And I feel like if you just watch it brushing its teeth. I mean, if you were watching Jeffrey Dahmer brush his teeth or murder somebody, brushing his teeth is almost disturbing in its own way. It's yes, like, like it has a, a, a uh, what's the word, a sinister quality to it for some reason. And what's weird is, I think what's weird about that is it feels sinister because it feels more human. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a great point. That's a yeah. great point. It doesn't feel like an us versus them. It's like, ew, you're weirdly you're just copying us. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, quickly, uh, anyway. the co-walker uh, will just do mundane things. And people, I guess there's some people out there who have a gift where they can actually see fairies. Um, and if you have this gift, you can also see co-walkers. Mm. So I guess that means a lot of people don't see co-walkers. It's people just looking like you, doing things like you, mimicking you without even wanting to be seen yeah doing so it? that's an interesting concept like how do you even yeah i don't know hmm. maybe one theory is that anyone can see them and one theory is only if you can see fairies you can see them yeah that be uh that makes sense but apparently people who have seen them have have seen people that they thought were at a party with them or having you know they were up literally a pallbearer at a funeral and apparently mm. they were just co-walkers and my question to that, not to get like all like either existential or like space and time, but if you think you're seeing somebody at a party who was expected to be there, where's the actual person? Like, yeah, that's a great point. Like, did they like, are they swapping realms? Did they cease to exist for a minute? Like, yeah, are they or, at home? Are they both at the party, but one's like getting punch and the other is <laughs> They're on the just dance avoiding floor? each other like a yeah. sitcom? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. Um, but this is this is kind of the creepier thing to me is like how do these co-walkers select the person they're going to mimic um and apparently they will just pick somebody and then attach to them no and throughout the rest of your life they will randomly show up show up and mimic you so it's never a a one and done it seems like oh five years later people will still think they saw you walking down the street downtown but you were sleeping so i don't like that very creepy i don't like that at all there's a 17th century folklorist named robert kirk who said it accompanies that person so long and frequently whether to guard him from the secret assaults of some of its own folks or only as a sportful mimicry to counterfeit all of his actions. So basically, one theory is that they will select you because they're protecting you from other fairy folk. Okay. And to disguise themselves as you is almost a distraction or to veer them away from you. Okay. I mean, I guess I'll take that. So far, it's the only theory where like they're doing it out of like love and protection. And I'm, but I'm sort of like, safe. what are their strings attached? Like, yeah, that's a like good point. Why, like, why? You know what I mean? Like, why me? Yeah. Also, why do why do some fairies want to yeah. get me? What did I do? <laughs> and also, if they want to get me, did I do something wrong and do I deserve it? So is the person defending me, like, also an outlaw? You know, Great like, question. Are we both hmm. now in trouble? Oh, my gosh. So many questions. Uh, 
the other theory is, oh, it's not here to protect you. It's just being an asshole and causing causing a ruckus. I'm almost just... bet more happy with that theory. It seems like a, a less dangerous, like, you yeah. know what? You can fuck around if you want. I, I don't want a whole fairy folk yeah. after me, but, you know, I if don't you want to whole... just run around downtown, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. If you want to buy me things and bring it home, that's fine. I guess if you want to do my groceries and brush my teeth, fine. Here's the even weirder part, though. Sometimes these uh, co-walkers are still attached to you after death, and people have reported seeing their dead loved ones still walking around because the co-walker is still existing as them oh, years come after on. That's they've not died. Fair. That's wild. And like, I wonder. Like, I sometimes wonder what's lore and what's that. Like, if someone truly thinks that they saw, yeah their dead loved one and they live in a space or a culture where the answer to that is fairies i wonder in like another culture that is like oh psychologically you're having a flashback or something like i i wonder oh interesting point like i wonder where the overlap is but um still or like if it's an apparition Mm -hmm. of your ghost versus like a doppelganger who's mimicking you you know what i yeah. mean like because i feel like usually if you see someone who's dead you're like oh it's their ghost but like yeah huh oh trippy intrips intripping int- okay christine <laughs> it, it sure Jesus is christine. it sure is <laughs> <laughs> so uh just a, a few like similar beings or similar doppelgangers um there's in finland there's a similar uh elf-like being called the haltia but um, this is known to be a guardian spirit, so we'll be like okay. that. That's good. One type of Haltia is a, they're also called first comers because they show up first. Mm-hmm. Um, these first comers in the Haltia realm are called the Etienen, and they mimic people just like a doppelganger. And these entities know what you'll be doing at every moment and beat you to the punch doing everything slightly before you. For what? That sounds like your annoying sibling being like, like copying everything you say. They are. But so and I think this one is more like of an astral realm, because I don't know if people are actually seeing these creatures, but it seems more like a symbolic thing, because what I'm gauging from it and my understanding is that these beings are the reason that you have like gut feelings and deja vu because you're sensing oh, something that already lived out as you. That's actually really cool. So it's like going ahead to like, it's not just to like mock you, which was my immediate thought, but to like, yeah. Cause prepare. remember these are, these are guardian. They're gu- spirits. right. So okay. they're almost like going out ahead of you. Okay. That's really interesting. I kind of so, like that. I'm back on board. And I kind of like that it gives um, a, a very warm reason for deja vu of like, oh, your guardian spirit is just oh, has already gone out onto the onto the path and has made sure everything's good for you and you can feel yeah. safe. Yeah, I like I love that, it. Em. Yeah. OK, I take it back. Sorry. <laughs> your deja vu doppelganger is like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, there goes my chance. <laughs> uh so I think that's very interesting. And then in Norway, there's another being kind of like that that travels ahead of you called the Vardaget. Um, and I, I, I assume they it does similar things. There's another one called the Philly Jaw. 
but they appear to your friends instead of you. So instead of you having deja vu, it's oh. like if you had a dream about me or you just thought of me and then all of a sudden I call you in real life. It's mm-hmm. instead of it being a guardian spirit that um is making sure everything's clear for you and thus you have deja vu, uh the philija is almost like giving friends a little announcement that i'm about to appear in your life oh i kind of like that too like knock knock it's like everyone's got like not a jester but the hear ye hear ye person yes. you know yes with the little trumpet yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so uh if you ever have a dream of me uh and then all of a sudden you see me the next day or something it's something you didn't expect and all of a sudden i pop up that is oh god my- help me that's my Philly jaw. Your Philly jaw you. better fucking warn me because I <laughs> I need some ample warning before you just appear at like if I'm seeing you out of surprise, like usually I see you because we know we're going to see each other. Yeah, I need a warning for that. I feel like instead of a trumpet, I need like the SpongeBob alarm clock foghorn, you know, <laughs> you need this. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm coming. God damn it. <laughs> I wonder if you have a dream of me and I have a dream of you and neither of us know we're about to see each other like at the supermarket. Are <gasps> our Philly jaw also friends? Like Maybe are they hanging out? Are they like just kind of getting coffee together before like the real deal storms in and they're like, yeah. Ugh. You know, yeah, they're like, oh, God, here they go again. So, uh, yeah, basically, if you dream or think of somebody, uh, it means that they're uh, it means you sensed their village uh, arriving. Ahead I kind of love that. Yeah, that's fun. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that 
juniper, and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They all kind of clump together. My understanding is like they're all, they all fall into the, oh, they appear before you actually get there. Right. So that is the Haltia, the Vardiget, the Etienen, and the Philija. And people have actually heard a Vardiget turning on showers or they could hear footsteps of a person. And it's, this is interesting because it makes me think just like how we were saying, oh, is it, um, uh is it a doppelganger or is it like psychologically something or is it a ghost or is it deja vu? Right. In this area, a Vardigat sounds similar to like a haunting because a Vardigat oh. will turn on showers, they'll turn on the stove, you'll hear footsteps of the person you know walking around, but then you'll realize you're the only person at home. Okay, that's interesting. So a Vardigat, and by the way, it doesn't mean they actually like turn on the shower or turn on the stove, but the sounds of- Oh, you just hear it. Like The you sounds think... of the person that you live with or you know of are surrounding you. Oh. And so again, psychologically, I wonder if that's just like muscle memory of like you're used to hearing Blaze walking around upstairs. Right, you know? like you hear, right. And I and feel so like that's your brain a common... plays tricks on you. Yeah, isn't that a common thing in, I think, was it Ireland, where they there's like a, it's probably the same concept, maybe you even said it already, but uh, like a person, a doppelganger sort of who arrives home before you, and like you hear mm. them open the door, toss their bag to the side, take off their shoes, go up the stairs, and then you're hear like, the where are you? Yeah, and then you look yeah. out and they're pulling up into the driveway. I feel like that's, I think it's in that's- Ireland that's a really common Very thing. similar to all these other ones. That's what of it like, sounds like, yeah. You're, you're sensing... Their their little trumpet man has warned you that they're on their way. <laughs> has thrown its keys so you know they're coming. <laughs> That's really nice. There's a, one example of this is there's a story of a guy named Jacob who was at home with his parents and they hear Jacob's uh, like carpentry tools being used. Mm. And basically the whole family knew that, oh, well, we're all here. We're not using the tools. Uh, sounds like the tools are going to be used shortly in the future. And our doppelgangers are warning us of that. I would have thought someone's broken into the Well, yeah. (laughs) It's like, that's a very calm way to look at it, I suppose. (laughs) I like that all three of them are like, oh, the little trumpet man for the tools is letting me know that the tools will be used soon. How thoughtful of him. Well, so the next morning- He's using a chainsaw in the garage. It's just, it's fine. He's just saying hi. (laughs) What a good point. Like, how annoying are carpentry tools when you're not using them? And also, like, like, dangerous. Like, who's running the chainsaw and do they know how to use it? Have they had the proper training? Yeah, does OSHA know? know that like is there <laughs> is there a doppelganger osha um you know i uh, there's nothing more annoying to me in the sound of hammering when i'm not the one hammering correct so imagine you're at home and yeah at 3 a.m you hear you are absolutely correct i would be beside myself irritated uh so anyway the next morning though the neighbor comes over and asks jacob if he can use his tools so um, he needed them, by the way, to make a coffin for his son that died that night. Again, the turnaround <gasps> is crazy. Um, this isn't I don't know if this is a real story, by the way. I'm pretty sure this is like a like an urban legend. So 
Oh. Um, but he says I need to make a coffin, and my son died last night, and it, it theoretically happened at the same time that Jacob and his family heard. Well, the tools. you know that's interesting because I feel like that brings it back to the omen almost. Like it's mm-hmm. not just like oh he needs his tools. It's like for for a death that occurred. Like it's almost ooh ooh. That's interesting because I wonder. Oh man, hang on, my brain's about to explode because I feel <laughs> like uh. Yeah, it's almost a death omen of what's to come, but at the same like, time, it's it's a degree like removed almost. Like it's like so the tools showed up, like the little trumpet yeah. man for the tools said, "This is going to happen," but then like there was actually a darkness to it that said, "Death is coming." Yeah. Like it's, so was the trumpet man good or bad at this point? I'm confused. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a bad trumpet. Maybe man? chaotic neutral. I'm Do not the sure. Trumpet man. Does the trumpet man have a trumpet man? Oh God! Oh, um, now God. we're really getting in it. Your is head... it is it just on Earth or like do aliens have trumpet men? This is that why we is have... not powerful enough for this conversation. I'm sorry. I just have to say it. Fair enough. <laughs> we... <laughs> so anyway, in some cultures, as you were saying earlier, a doppelganger can also uh, is also the concept of your shadow. Ooh. So your shadow is a doppelganger, which it is a doppel. It is a perfect image of you. It's I just guess the so, outline. Yeah. Um, and because it is in theory a doppelganger or a second self, you should mm-hmm. respect it as such. So in does Germany, anyone not respect it? Oh, okay. I'm about to find out. In Germany, uh, there are some who say when using a lantern, if you look at your shadow and it is headless. Or if your shadow is not there at all, if it's distorted in some way, it means you will die within a year because your second self is already detaching from you. It, it means step to the left until you are no longer being blocked by this windowsill so you can see your head again is what I'm going to take from that because that's horrible. That's horrible. What do you mean you're gonna your head is gone so you're going to die in a year? Also, a year is a long time. Like If you're like, oh, within 24 hours, at least for that 24 hours, I can be anxious. And once it's passed, I'm like, okay, a year of like sitting on pins and needles, hoping you're not going to die. And what if it's exactly to the minute a year? So for 365 oh, days and 23 like, hours and 59 minutes. Done. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, so shout out to Germany. Um, also, <laughs> yeah, classic. They've even said also respect your shadow by never stepping on it because you're damaging well, it in some impossible. way. I know. Well, I, well, I know. Isn't it attached um, to your feet? It is. Your 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 toes are always kissing. Those little piggies are getting into each other. Ew, you know what I'm saying? Uh, They're snuggling. Veto. Veto. So, uh, yeah, don't step on your shadow. Uh, because one of the theories is you and your doppelganger can't either be in a room together or they can't harm each other. And so if you're stepping on your shadow, you're harming your second self. And it's an omen for you. Okay. Um, and other cultures, there are like natural objects like stones that can, you know, spirits are known to connect with. Which we have obviously discussed that in full detail in our friendship of stones and crystals and all that being right. attached spiritually. Um, so there is a theory that if your shadow ever passes over one of these natural objects that a spirit is attached to, the spirit can jump from the natural stone into your shadow and possess oh, you. Oh, that's interesting. I think that's super cool. But also, 
if you ever touch anything, eventually your shadow goes over it, right? Like, yes. So no matter what, if you're touching it, your shadow is already. So I guess that kind of makes sense, though, because we have said if you touch a crystal, it's, you know, you're you're letting the energy absorb through. you. Right. That's a great point. So it's like that's just a more direct way of your shadow coming in contact with it. Yeah. So I guess if uh, if a crystal has any like dark energy, maybe I hope also good energy. But if it has any dark energy attached to it, it can. Uh, cross into you through your shadow because it's going through your astral body first and then into you right 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 um allegedly if uh oh allegedly one of the worst things that can happen to your shadow self or your doppelganger is for it to be harmed and that can mean much worse for you because if your second self is in danger your primary self is for sure in danger oh no so uh, here's one quick anecdote that Catherine the Great apparently woke up one night to her servants freaking out because they just saw her sitting at her throne, but it was actually a doppelganger. Uh oh. Th- threatened by this, Catherine the Great ordered them to kill whoever was sitting in her throne, aka she threatened them or told them to kill her own doppelganger. Oh no, girl essentially ordering her own execution and shortly (sighs) after she died of a stroke once her doppelganger had also been killed oh no oh no and although some say seeing your doppelganger could be dangerous or deadly german folklore they give us a pass and they say it's only deadly once you've seen your doppelganger three times oh good (laughs) thanks germans thank you um fun fact Abraham Lincoln claimed that he saw his doppelganger three times after his first election. No. One was three times. (gasps) He saw himself in the mirror or when he looked in the mirror, he saw two of him. One of them looked pale and ghostly. Oh, no. And he he, one of his quotes about this was, I was a little bothered, but the illusion vanished, which like... (laughs) boy a little bothered i would literally never sleep again but i would be screwed he apparently saw it once a little this uh doppelganger a little cloudy then he saw it a second time and the doppelganger was clearer which is even scarier because i feel like that means a prophecy is being agreed it's like growing in power or something yeah and then the third time he saw it his wife was even freaked out remember his wife was like really into spiritualism yeah um, and she interpreted this as he's going to serve two terms as president, uh, but he won't survive the second time, which is correct. Wow. She really t- took that and ran with it. She really said, like, I know my what specific, this means. my specific vision. And uh, it oh, was still right. That's terrible. Um, also, fun fact, the husband of Mary Shelley, the writer of Frankenstein, mm. uh, Percy Shelley. He also saw his doppelganger multiple times just before his death. Oh, no. And the first time he saw it, it, apparently it looked him in the eyes and asked him, how long do you mean to be content? How dare you? Yeah, which, like, wh- what's it to you, guy? First of all, what do you even mean? Second of all, how dare you? How long do you mean to be content? Does that mean, like, how long do you plan on being happy or how long do you plan on being here? Yeah, I guess, right? Like also, how they talk to you? I thought like I in my mind is it a your voice? Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I don't or well, do I? I feel like <laughs> do I? I don't know. 
I, uh, you know how like you hate the sound of your own voice on a recording? Yes. Imagine having to look yourself in the eyes and hear that voice. Absolutely. Ugh. I'd be like, what's wrong with your face? And he'd be like, this is literally what you look like. And I'd go, oh, no. <laughs> I'd be like, you didn't get that one whisker on your chin. Um, <laughs> A nice try. And they'd be like, you either. That's why I have this. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he the first time he saw it, it asked him that very eerie question. Mm. The next time he saw the, his doppelganger was when he went into his own bedroom and saw himself standing over the bed, strangling his wife in her sleep. What? And then he died shortly after. That's so weird that it was hurting someone else, but then it was an omen of his own death. That's so weird. Yeah, it's like, are is it are both of you in danger? Can a doppelganger yeah. for somebody else be there to hurt you? Yeah, isn't that weird? I huh? Because you would think if it's connected enough to you that it looks identical to you and sounds like you, then it cares a lot more about you. Or I wonder, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's the beginning of a really good like true crime mystery, oh, like psychological sci-fi thing. Because it feels like. A second version of you comes down and says, how long do you mean to be happy? Right. And then the next time you see him, he's killing your wife. <gasps> like, were you having a, like a, a breakdown? Like and a, a is, mental breakdown? And what if she wakes up and she's, and you're like, it wasn't me, but like, you know. And that also Oof. freaks me out. Like, what if she was having a bad dream and felt like she was <gasps> being choked and had no idea it was like her husband's spiritual ah! doppelganger? Oi. There's I don't so many. I like that. Anyone who's stoned right now is really I was, like you know, fried out of their mind. Seriously, because I was gonna ask, was he on drugs? <laughs> I don't. I'm not even joking. Like it sounds like I don't something. Know. It feels he like was... something like when you're having a nervous breakdown. Maybe you could like yes. see something happening before you. Maybe he thought like an out of body experience. Like maybe yeah. he was choking. Maybe her? he was dis- dissociating. You know what I mean? Like a psychotic break. I don't know. Another cool doppelganger story is this one guy named Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Goethe. Um, Goethe? Yeah, Goethe? you don't know Goethe? Mm-mm. He's a, a very famous um, old-timey author. Yes. Yeah, it does say author. I think I didn't... I forgot to say that. Um, well, he's had a doppelganger experience mm. where he was riding his horse down his road toward town, and he saw himself coming up the road, and they were going to pass each other, and oh, he no. apparently... Him- he saw himself dressed in a gray suit with gold trim, looked very dapper. And then that was kind of the end of the first half of that experience. But eight years later, he's riding home uh... from town and he sees someone, you know, gets about to cross him or cross his path. And he realizes when he looks down that he's wearing that gray suit with gold uh-huh, trim. I love those stories. And he realizes he saw his future self. Ooh, it's so spooky. Uh, I can't, I truly can't think of anything creepier than that Reddit story of like yes. the guy eating a sandwich in the kitchen. And one day, years later, he sees the other half of that so it's it's i know i'm always telling this but it's no nope, i wanted you to the first time i heard it was on jim harold's campfire so i'm not sure if the original person told it on jim harold's campfire or if like they just took the reddit story if it's the same person i'm not sure um but the person on jim harold uh described being a little kid and running through his childhood home and seeing a man in a hoodie at the counter 
uh, of his kitchen and he like ran back and looked in and the guy was gone. And so he kind of never thought anything of it. And then, you know, decades later, he's back visiting his family's house and he's making a sandwich in the kitchen and he sees something out of the corner of his eye and he turns and he sees a little kid run past and they make eye contact. And it turns out he realizes decades later he was seeing himself and vice versa. What? And I don't know the episode. If anybody who's listening to this knows the number, please DM me or something. Cause I, I just, I want to hear myself tell the story again, but there's that one haunted house where the guy was living there and he would have like, there would be moments where all of a sudden he could like see into the past. Like he could see the house's past. <gasps> yes. Like in the dining room or whatever. Yeah. He like, he saw a whole family like having yeah. dinner and they like looked back at him and then they, and they realized saw that him. He, like they thought they realized he was part of the future and he knew he was looking at the past something oh my like, god like the house completely changed when he looked in that room and then he like blinked and it looked like his house again or something Whoa. so I, I if anybody knows what episode that was i want to know what that location was so it was the story of a house yeah i feel like uh someone will know because i thought that that was a really really cool story um yeah that i remember that one was one of the like the if we ever had like a best of 10 episode blah 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 like goose cams i would say like that one for sure fuck me like that was so creepy that yeah i love story. that let's let's make somebody else find it for us <laughs> i don't know what it is uh there's another story that in 1845 this is one of the most famous doppelganger cases it's the story of uh emily Saget. Saget. um i think it's french and uh she was a teacher uh at a at a girls school and she was writing on the board and all of a sudden saw her doppelganger standing next to her and who didn't have chalk or anything to write on the board but was mimicking her movement to a t of writing while she was writing and was just writing in the air next to her what's interesting about this is what what makes it the most famous doppelganger case or one of them is that 13 students in the classroom also saw (gasps) the doppelganger writing oh, in the air oh shit and this became the first of multiple sightings of her doppelganger around the school oh shit and here's a little plot twist emily already knew about this doppelganger because apparently this doppelganger is a regular in her life no she's like not again yes Yes. Uh, apparently, she had to admit it later to the school that every time she starts a new job, her doppelganger appears and <gasps> begins showing up at her place of business. That is horrifying and so strange. Obviously, people freaked out. And so uh, or people often freaked out when they'd see her doppelganger at her job. So she would lose a lot of jobs. No. And she'd have to change jobs a lot. So even though it was completely harmless, people just saw her doppelganger like walking the grounds or drinking water or something, Um, even though it was harmless. In 16 years, Emily had worked at almost 20 schools. No. Because she had to keep leaving. And so one day. too bad. One day, Emily's out in the garden at the school, and the whole school is very small, only like 40 girls, but all of them could see Emily in the garden from her window, uh, from their window in their classroom. They're looking out, they see her. But then in their room, a second Emily appears at the She's like, what are you guys up to? (laughs) It's like, are we snooping? Are we staring at her? That's horrifying. The kids literally tried to approach 
this second Emily and touch her, but they only felt cobwebs. <gasps> Isn't Ooh, that crazy? Yuck. And then she vanished. Oh, and yuck. Af- after that, the principal had to let her go. So I guess she's going to school number 20. Um, because parents started taking their kids out of school because they didn't want their kids anywhere near a doppelganger. Um, many cultures are so worried about interacting with a doppelganger that they avoid even getting pictures taken of themselves because a picture could capture part of your soul and create a second you oh, or no. a doppelganger. And then in uh, like today's modern versions at least in the u.s there's a lot of people who say if you interact with your doppelganger or run into your doppelganger or if the two of you make eye contact then you're gonna die soon it's very quickly been turned into a death omen Mm. i also saw that apparently this has to be like a seventh grade boy thing um they said if you ever see your doppelganger on site you have to fight each other (laughs) and the and only the survivor gets to live as that person for the rest of time, which sounds like the exact opposite of all the other advice we've been given to, like, avoid any trouble with this thing. Doesn't this sound a little bit like the Jordan Peele f- film? Oh, not Get Out. Us? Nope. Us. Us. Yeah. Like, they're all tethered to each other. Yeah. Not. To, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a similar concept. Yeah. I mean, they are literal doppelgangers. Mm-hmm. So. Oi. Well, anyway, that is... Uh, wow, Em. Oh, my gosh. the lore of a doppelganger. You really just revived my spirits after Eva crushed them into a pulp. <laughs> I'm just kidding, <laughs> oh Eva. I feel God. bad. Like, Eva hasn't even told us anything, like, bad today. I'm just... I don't know she why. She literally just said, hi, how are you? I'm at Starbucks. And we were and like... We were like <laughs> <laughs> Poor Eva. Um, no, I think uh, this is called transference. That's not what it's called, but... Uh, oh, we Eva can call says, it that, though. Eva says she's taking one for the team, which what else is new? Um... <laughs> So can I tell one quick doppelganger story that I heard recently um, that I just loved? So it was on, of course, Jim Harold's Campfire. Please go listen to it. I feel like we love Jim Harold. And I listen to it every single week when it comes out. And every time somebody says when he says, uh, you know, so and so is on the line. They heard about us from Em and Christine. I lose it. Like I get I literally make everybody in the house listen. And I'm like, listen, listen. And Blaze is always like, yep. It's happening again and it's very supportive but i'm sure it's very annoying but it's so exciting when people are like oh i found out about you through and that's why i drink it makes it's my so day sweet and it also is. and jim harold is our our podcast inspo for like it was the first show we both listened to and like would be fangirling about you know so oh, yeah, to speak totally no absolutely i fangirl for sure even if you're non-binary or a big old alpha male bro we you, all know you got a fangirl every now and then. We all fangirl every now and then, you know? And I totally um, do with Jim Harold. I'll go, ah, I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah, that so. is what I do. Every time it's like Em and Christine, I'm like, he just said my name. And it's like, okay, well, I've we've met him. It's not like that weird, but to me, it's <laughs> very exciting. He's literally come to our live shows. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I'm like, ah, he said my name. He knows who I am. Um, so re- uh, it was a few weeks ago or maybe a few months ago, there was a story a woman called in. Oh, my God, Em, it was, it was crazy. She called in. She works at a hospital. And she says... You know, I was taking, uh, I was taking a, what are these things called? A stretcher. A cart? A stretcher. A gurney? A gurney. Well, not, yeah. Is it, what, what is it called when you're not dead and you're on one of those? Alive? What? A bed. A bed. 
okay i don't know obviously i'm very good at this and um like I a hospital bed yeah like well like rolling somebody from like to the x-ray room or something you know what i mean yeah I think that's still a gurney. Okay. So anyway, she's like transferring a patient or something. She gets in the elevator and there are two, you know, sets of elevators and she's on one and on the other side, she sees a person who looks exactly like her and they make eye contact and in the other elevator, like behind a bunch of people. And she's just staring at this person and then the doors close and she's like, Mm. what the hell? That was so weird. And then um, later on in the day, you know, she forgets about it and she's going through her business, whatever. And, um, you know, it's the end of the day. She gets on the elevator and she's heading back upstairs and she looks over. A bunch of people get in the elevator. She looks over and she fucking sees herself with the patient in the other elevator. And and she sees herself going, like, making the face of like, wait, what? And so, like, she, within the same day, like, saw the back and forth so they so they had the the future and past thing. yeah but she, yeah and so she saw herself going like wait what the fuck you know like she saw that moment of like holy nurses shit nurses deserve more naps i think i think <laughs> well yes uh but also that i mean that is almost i mean it's freaky and i don't if- know if she was a nurse i don't know what her role was at this hospital but oh, yes okay. it um, was but she might have been a doctor i'm not sure but she was like i saw myself across the hall and she thought well maybe i'm just imagining things and it just looked like me but then at the end of the day she had totally forgotten and was in that other elevator and kind of glanced out and went oh my god that's me it's so you know, trippy it's it's a different type of existential fear that uh stories like that bring me because when it's future and past that at least it's not like a doppelganger where it's like there's another spirit mimicking me you know it's right this is just a glitch in the matrix because at least i know both versions of me are me who i love and trust and know and like i can feel safe to know that like we're both just freaked out at the experience that's a great point but it's still like a okay that's fully a glitch in the matrix how the fuck did that happen how did it happen and also like i feel like that just takes all element of reality away like you clearly also... we don't know how reality works yeah oh for sure and also in terms of like a glitch in the matrix you would think something like that where there's a two-parter like you see yourself once and then you see yeah. the replay of it you would think if there's a glitch in the matrix and like god or whoever is up there if like if there's a technical difficulty you would think before the second event happens of like seeing yourself <laughs> again fix it. they would like fucking fix it so like you'd be like well that was weird but i'm sure that says something about the hospital system the healthcare system and you know <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot there there's a lot going on um but no that's just so creepy like the fact that doppelgangers we've covered hauntings we've covered glitches in the matrix we've i mean it, there's so many things we've discussed astral projection yeah. dreams deja vu it just they kind of find their way in any any yeah, type and it's, of way. It seems like they almost somehow overlap in a lot of ways, which is creepy too, because it's like, wow, it's all connected. None of this is real. It's all connected. Yeah, help, help, <laughs> help me. Oy. Okay, okay, okay. I guess it's my turn. Em. I'm very excited for your story, Christine. Okay, good, because it is a very exciting story. Um. Let me find it. Oh, okay. I was like, you seem lost, Kristen. But... I am most of the time. Um, thank okay. you for noticing. Okay. <laughs> so this is a story that I actually uh, heard about on Box of Oddities while we're shouting out podcasts uh, who were who were my pals that you got to meet in Florida. Oh, they uh, were so nice. 
aren't they a delight uh cat and jg so much fun um and they i finally got to meet them in person because we were supposed to meet pre-covid and then you know that never happened uh but so anyway i heard about this on their show and uh it's called the red barn murder and Mm. it's something i'd never heard about uh, and it doesn't seem to have been covered on a whole lot of podcasts so i'm kind of excited to do like a little deep dive on this Cool. All right. I'm going to start off with a quote, um, you know, just mm. just pack a punch here and give you a little uh, a little taste for what's to come. Oh, I love a taste. I'll give you a little amuse bouche. Uh, here <laughs> we go. <laughs> I never knew or heard of a case in my life which abounded with so many extraordinary incidents as the present. It really appears more like a romance than a tale of common life. And were it not that the circumstances were so well authenticated, it would appear absolutely incredible. It, however, verifies the remark of Lord Byron that truth is stranger than fiction. Oh. And that was Magistrate Wyatt on the death of Maria Martin and her stepmother's strange dreams. What? Strange dreams? I'm scared to hit the button because I'm worried I'm going to hit the wrong one, so I'm not going to hit it. I'll, which, which one do you want? I'll, I'll do it for you. The do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Is that on here? Yeah, didn't you hear me do it? <laughs> Sorry, I, I just really... want to see if you do it again. Hold on, here it is. Oh, that worked really well. That works, right? That's nice. I don't know what these other ones are. That's beautiful, Em. Thank you. You know what we could do? Tell me. We could put elevator music on a button. We would literally, you'd have to hold it down the whole time I was peeing. (laughs) You're right. It would never stop. People are like, no, don't (laughs) give them that power. (laughs) Okay. So let's get into the story. It's it's a little bit... um, supernatural as well Mm. so i'm slightly creeping into your territory uh but only a little bit it's mostly a murder story just dipping the toes just a little tiny bit so this takes place may 18th 1827 a young woman named maria martin left home under some strange circumstances her family waited months for word from her but nothing came The story went that she had run off to be with her new husband, and she simply didn't have time to write due to all the excitement, but still, something seemed off. Hmm. Maria's family, of course, wanted to believe everything was all right, because Maria had unfortunately been dealt a lot of unfair hands, both in romance and just in life in general. So I'll tell you a little bit of her backstory. Maria was born in Polstead, which is a tiny farming community in Suffolk, England. And her father worked as a mole catcher, which, hmm, which a I, mole catcher. I waited for him to lift the microphone up for that one. <laughs> I, I, I was like this. I was like, ooh, ooh. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope that, you know, that means my attention was grabbed. Because Immediate. Yeah. Her father was a mole catcher. I, I guess that's not. For the time, maybe it wasn't too weird, but in 2023, I don't think I've ever heard of that ever being someone's job besides like a terrier. <laughs> um, a terrier. But besides a dermatologist, I was thinking, you know, like a mole catcher, oh, like a mole catcher. <laughs> well, I guess there used to be dog catchers, you know. So I'm yeah, m- at least Disney specifically. Yeah, yeah, because I think because it's a farming community, and so you know, moles can really 
create a lot of wreak a lot of havoc on your crops. All right. Moles and, are just not my forte, I guess. I don't know. You I know, we know. had moles growing up and they really do tend to fuck up your yard. Um what is so a mole? I imagine what? What is a mole? What is a mole? Oh um like a like a groundhog? You have so much to learn. There's a character in Germany, it. um, and he's a mole. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to read all the books. I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Uh, and he's this weird-looking mole guy. Mole. What's his name? A European mole? Hmm. Ew. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Some of they're these are... really not good-looking. No, they're very scary. Looks like Alf. Where are its eyes? Do they have eyes? <laughs> no, they, like, live underground. I think they're blind. They literally don't have eyeballs? Well, no, they have eyes, I think, but they're, they're, I don't think they're known for their eyesight. <laughs> they like, certainly are not, because I, my, with my eyes, I can't see their <laughs> eyes. Where okay. are, what? They literally um, don't have eyes. There's literally no, it's, that's its face. Oh, I found the mole. Okay. His name is Der Kleine Malwurf. Okay. Hold on. Der Kleine Malwurf. This hold looks on. like a Jim Henson Muppet. But like that's in storage because it never got finished. <laughs> oh no! Um, this is the German mole I grew up with. Hang on, let God. me send you a picture. Moles were a big part of my childhood, just because I've literally never seen a mole until right now. Are you now, and serious? I, I wish I never had. <laughs> oh, that's the it's the ugliest animal I've ever seen. Oh come on, it is not. It's it beats that out of- that like gloppy fish that everyone always shows pictures of with its big lips. What oh, about- that mole's cute. That's a cartoon, though. It has eyes. Okay, he's not that ugly. No, he looks cute, the little no, cartoon. I, I mean, the actual mole is not that ugly. Look at this one next to a flower. Christine, look at this. What are you talking about? He's cute. I'm going to send you this picture because I think you're <laughs> not all there to be saying what just saying. don't look up the star-nosed mole because that isn't great the for us star is there something worse than what i'm doing yeah right there now? is i'll send Hang you a up. picture star- of the star yeah look up star-nosed star-nosed mole, mole. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god its oh. nose looks like a it looks butthole. like the stranger things like it's a little demogorgon. It looks like a butthole. I'm sorry. You know what? You are such a... <laughs> it looks Ugh. like a sphincter. That's... You know what? You Eva, know... Ju- Eva just texted, let's become obsessed with moles, Christine, in addition to possums. <laughs> so you know what? Fuck off, Eva them. can rot. That is yeah. so evil. <laughs> that is so evil. I just want wow. the record to show that was not my idea, um, but I'm, I'm on board. So- um, Megan, eventually you're going to listen to this. I know you are. Um, you have to find the ugliest pictures of star-nosed moles so that the, you know everyone's no. on my side. No, no. Come on. Listen. This is the grossest animal. These poor things are being Ew. hunted. Someone's holding it. Ew. Gross. Oh, well, oh, um. we've really derailed already. Okay, he finds moles. Great. Okay, next. <laughs> listen, he's... <laughs> He's a mole catcher, okay, which apparently was an important job at the time. However, it was like a very low class job. Like it was something uh, that did not earn a lot of money. So even though it was necessary, it wasn't like a highfalutin job. So his family, unfortunately, was, you know, lived, let's just say lived an extremely humble life. 
<laughs> However, Maria was a very beautiful young woman. Got it. And sometimes that just seems to uh, matter more than the money part. <laughs> Every time, actually. I don't it's, know if you knew seems, that. But, it yeah. seems. So despite her family's financial status, she grew up surrounded by local boys trying to win her affection. When she was 17, she fell for a man named Thomas Corder, but his family was pretty wealthy. And so both of them knew that this match would not be approved of by his parents. Tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. The mole catcher's daughter. <laughs> a new German fairy tale. <laughs> I'm still I'm still trying to process like th that its nose can look like that and that it does as far as I know, does not have eyes. I'm just some. I it never does have eyes. They're just underdeveloped because it's underground. They live underground. They burrow in little mole holes. I've just never seen. They have tunnels. I've just never seen an animal that didn't have like very distinct eyes before. It was just. It was a shock. That's all. Okay, I'm glad. I hope you recover swiftly. Thank you. You probably won't, but I hope you do. Oh yeah. So. She and Thomas actually courted in secret for four years, which in a small town, I think is a long time to keep that That's under impressive. wraps. I thought so, too. And that kind of all went out the window when Mary fell pregnant with Thomas's baby. Uh-oh. Mm. Yeah, can't hide that. Yes, precisely. So once the baby was born, of course, they could no longer hide their relationship. But what's even more tragic is that only weeks into being alive, this baby passed away. Oh. And this loss puts such a strain on Maria and Thomas, in addition to everybody kind of finding out about this relationship and putting that pressure on them that they parted ways and they couldn't make their relationship last. So when she was about 22, Maria started seeing an even wealthier man named Peter Matthews. And same old, same old at 23, Maria gets pregnant with this man's baby. Damn. Okay. Yes, and she gives birth to a son whom they named Thomas Henry, who fortunately survives. So at least, okay. you know, okay. that has a good ending to it. However, Peter refused to marry Maria or claim his son. Uh, again, he came from a pretty wealthy family. He didn't want to get involved, even though, fuck you, you've been involved yeah, long enough. <laughs> this is your fucking problem Ugh. to deal with. Go hunt a mole or something. No, that's her dad's job. He's going to yeah. put him out of business. <laughs> So he did, however, volunteer child support uh, willingly. So I'm at least glad that she was provided for um, mm -hmm. and he was very reliable with it and paid her well. So, you know what? At least he left and he made sure to support them on his way out. So there's that mm -hmm. at least. Maria raised Thomas Henry uh, among family. So her father, Thomas Martin, her sister, Anne Martin, and her stepmother. Now, this is a little confusing because her stepmother's name is Mrs. Anne Martin. So basically oh. her dad remarried and the woman he remarried had the same name as one of his daughters. So there's Anne, the daughter, and then Mrs. Anne Martin, who's the stepmother. Got it. They all were very close. They all deeply loved Mary and her son, regardless of the circumstances. And Maria also had a half-brother who was her dad and stepmom's uh, son. So this sure. was her, her, her half-brother. So Maria was admired for being loving and loyal to her family. Uh, her father held her very dear. Uh, she was a great writer. She was just pleasant to be around. She was just a, a, a delightful person. And so pretty quickly... Uh, you know, that plus her good looks, I suppose, uh, Maria started seeing another man. And this guy's name was William Corder. And if that last name sounds familiar, it's because he was the younger brother of that first guy she was dating, Thomas Corder. 
Oh, okay. Okay. I was wondering if they were, if the, how small is the town? Very small. (laughs) Very small. (laughs) So she starts dating his little brother and they're once again dating in secret and nobody knows. Drama. Also like, like that wasn't like a a one night stand kind of thing. Like she was with his brother for like four Four years in hiding. And lost a baby with him. Like, yeah, that's an intimate relationship. Right? Like, gave birth to it. Ch- and if you're doing it in secret, like, you're not just doing it for, like, social reasons. Like, you're really in is love with she, this person. Is she also in secret with this guy? Because I'd mm-hmm. be pissed if I were the first brother. Oh, okay. They're, yeah. they're both in yep. secret? Yeah, secret, okay. secret. And so they are, once again, dating in secret because he comes from that same family, the wealthy family who would not approve of this relationship. So, of course, now there's almost this double fear of the family finding out. Like, not only does the family not approve, but also the brother, like you said, would probably be pissed if he found out that his younger Mm -hmm. brother is now with this woman. So they are, like, really keeping this under wraps. And Maria once again said, fine, fine, we'll keep this a secret. They frequently met in a barn that the Quarter family owned on their property, and it was locally called the Red Barn. Mm. Guess what happened next? she got pregnant she got pregnant and you know this is time before birth control pills so if you're dating for years it's gonna happen you know (laughs) it's not a surprise so maria got pregnant and william swore he would claim their relationship and marry her when the baby was born sadly this baby died also a few weeks after birth and just really really horrible and william still wouldn't go public about their relationship why is everyone so ashamed of her Jeez. i know because she's a daughter of a mole catcher it's really sad well i mean you know what that's that pisses a... me off it's like oh you're beautiful and i want to have sex with you but like nobody can know and i don't want yeah like you, she wasn't gross when you wanted to get naked with her exactly like... exactly it's 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 very telling and like very transparent what's going yeah. on here and it's just it's sad So, you know, she really was hoping that this was the time that things actually turned around, but he still won't acknowledge his relationship with her publicly, won't acknowledge the baby. And they get into this big disagreement about burying the child because she wants to give it a proper burial and he doesn't want to because he's worried it'll draw attention to their relationship. And he's like, nope, we got to keep this under wraps. And so what he does is he goes and he takes the baby and buries it in a random field. Oh, wow. That's personal. Great. Yeah. And this really upsets her for obvious reasons. But, you know, he says, we just don't want it out yet. Um, but I insist on marrying you still. Uh, I will take care of you. Bullshit. So, yeah, right. I know. Bullshit. It's like at this point, come on, the writing's on the wall, you mofo. Yeah. So he tells Maria's sister, Anne, that Maria would want for nothing and he would care for her. And it's like, you know what? She, all it. she wants is a goddamn diamond ring. Just give it to her. I don't even think she wants that. You know, she wants I commitment. Think she just wants you to not be in a barn with her only. Like take she her wants to you dinner. to be proud of her. She wants Something. you to say, dun, 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 acknowledge is... that she is your partner. Anything. It's yeah. It's really sad. But so of course he's going on all this blowing smoke up everyone's ass, basically saying like, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of her. But things got more complicated because on May 18th of 1827, according to Maria's father, uh, William 
the the partner, the boyfriend, showed up at their house frantic, and he had shocking news. Oh, God. He said Mr. Ballum, the local constable, had placed a warrant out for Maria's arrest. Oh, why you already don't believe it. Okay. And the charge was having illegitimate children with multiple men, which was technically criminal at the time. Oh, okay. Yikes. And the reason for it being criminal uh, is because a lot of times churches or local parishes would have to take, take on the upkeep or the care of these children. And so it was considered like putting a, this burden, burden on, on the state and church and society which is like okay but didn't the dude do it too no okay just the woman got it oh are you telling me there's something called the patriarchy that's no. crazy hang I'm, on i'm so tired of your extremist beliefs okay tone it down <laughs> stop talking to me like that dad like <laughs> <laughs> So this is what he shows up. He goes, there's this charge out for her arrest. We got to go. And so Anne, her sister, said Maria cried all day in despair. But William said, you know what? I'm going to marry Maria. And that way she will be protected because if she's married, she won't be, you know, illegitimately raising these children. Uh-huh. So Maria got disguised as a man uh, in men's trousers, a waistcoat and a hat and was kind of like bustled out of her home and taken away because William was like, I'll I'll hide her until we get married. Why couldn't you just get married like right now? I don't understand. So he had to go to a different town. This is the story to, to marry her because in town there was this warrant out for her arrest so he's like okay so they had like crossed lines yes yes go get married somewhere come back with a marriage certificate and be like loophole you know okay got it, got it, got it. so william told Anne he had maria's clothes in a bag uh, so she could change later once they got past the constable they would go to ipswich and be married the following day and then maria would come home a quote honorable woman and not be accused of this quote-unquote crime so they left but a week later uh Mrs. Anne Martin, uh, Maria's mm. stepmother, ran into William out and about without Maria. And mm. she thought, that's strange. Um, where is she? And he told her, well, we couldn't get married right away. There was an issue with the license. Uh, so I sent it to London to get it corrected. But this might take several weeks to process. And so in the meantime, Maria is staying in Yarmouth on the Isle of Wight with the sister of one of my school friends named Miss Rowland, which like I, I, we've said it before, but a lot of details, <laughs> too many details, like People who make up elaborate lies like to just pepper in unnecessary details. At this point, I don't even believe that there was ever a warrant out for her arrest. I think he was like, let me get you out of town so I can kill you. And then uh, I can finally be done with you being a burden on me. Wow, Em, you really are onto something here. Okay, I'm just going to say that. Is the Well, I, I didn't mean to like, I was no. expecting you to say, no, there really was a warrant out for her arrest and all this. There wasn't. Okay, well, you already really did, nailed it. On shit, that I didn't mean to spoil. No, no, like, it's not. It's not. I mean, I think everybody was a little wary about that. So you're exactly right. There I was no like, fucking worn out. I feel like there. I mean, it just sounds like shitty man after shitty man after shitty man. And like, usually where there's shitty men, there's not a lot of thought. <laughs> there's not a lot of critical thinking. So I feel yeah. like the murder was not hard to concoct or right. figure out from here. Right, right. No, I mean, it, it was like, what's the easiest way to handle this? Mm. here we go anyway. and that, i mean you're exactly right 
So he says, you know, once the license comes back, we'll get married right away. And William came and went from Polstead for weeks. And every time he left town, he would tell her family, oh, I'm visiting Maria in Yarmouth. Don't worry. She's doing great. She's thriving. And so Mrs. Anne, Maria's stepmother, saw William sometimes two or three times a day and was always like, hey, how's Maria? Where is she? And he always said Maria was just happy and doing well and loving life. But the Martins were like, well, we haven't heard from her. And like I said earlier, she was a prolific writer. She was, you know, she was known to to write regularly. And they're yeah. like, it's really weird that she wouldn't just write us a letter to say hi. You know, it's or been like weeks. pass a note to you for us. Yeah. Yes. Anything. That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Or just like write a note to send back. So. You know, Maria was not the type to cut contact completely with her family, um, especially because she had a three-year-old son at home, too. Like, she Mm -hmm. had to leave, and it was really hard for her to leave her three-year-old at home to begin with. So you'd think she'd be trying everything in her power to reach out. Yeah, definitely. So Thomas Martin, Maria's dad, uh, also saw William in town often. By the way, bold to just be showing your face around all the time, you know? It's like... Like, if... Just get out of town. Just go away. Like... Fuck if you, off if you're going to pull this stunt. I was going to say, if I were to murder somebody, you would never see me again. Yeah, I you would see him at breakfast the next day? Like, seriously? It like, pisses me I off. I don't... I Maybe I just know myself well enough and my level of anxiety. I could not fake Show your having face. not murdered somebody. Like, I couldn't just go to your house the next day and act like I didn't murder somebody. It would be right? written all over me. I would literally never be able to come back if I had a chance of getting away with it. Yes, exactly. I feel like the best bet is to just like peace out, especially back in those days, because it's like, it was so hard to, to track people. <laughs> I feel like it could have been so e- think of all the murderers that aren't even on anybody's radar. They right. just got away with it all the time because all you had to do was just not come back. This idiot is like, you literally change your name and nobody can track you. And, you know, I mean, we've seen it. Not even really change your name. Just say it. You have a different name. Right. Exactly. Not even right. Not technically change it. Yeah. So this guy's fucking brazen. He keeps showing up. His her family is seeing him every day and is like, where is she? And of course, they're getting more and more suspicious. And every time uh, her dad, Thomas, asks this guy like where the hell is my daughter William would make these vague excuses uh for one example he told her dad that oh Maria just has a really sore hand so she can't write right now and it's like (laughs) that's the world's worst excuse okay I like how that by the way like you could not use that fucking excuse in today's world of why you're not getting back to somebody. Oh right. Her but hand I, hurts. My hand is a little crampy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work these days. So one day, Mrs. Ann Martin's son, um, so this is the half-brother of Maria, and he's 10 years old. He tells his mother, Maria's stepmom, you know, I saw William leaving the red barn with a pickaxe a few weeks ago. (gasps) Well, that'll do it. And he just felt weird enough about it that he told his mother. And she kind of it stuck with her right so mrs martin went and talked to william about it and said hey my son saw you leaving with this pickaxe a few months ago like what was going on at the barn and he said oh oh he must have confused me with someone else and she was like well he's 10 like yeah, he's, he's not an idiot he's not an idiot he can recognize people he knows it was <laughs> you it's your barn so like you know it's just a strange thing to lie about 
But the, so she went back to her son who insisted, no, it was William. You know, I uh, I can reliably recognize him. And so it was just a weird thing for him to lie about, especially because, like I said, his family owned this barn. Then when they kind of pushed him on it and the son was like, no, it was you I saw. William said, well, I was in the red barn, but I was just taking Maria there um, because she had to change out of her like man disguise and back into her normal clothes. And they were like, so you were there, but then why did you leave alone with a pickaxe? Um, yeah. And why, just, aren't you, why did you say that our son must? Why were you trying to gaslight me on my well, kid exactly. not seeing you? Exactly. Like the second your story starts shifting, like red flags. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, one of William's closest friends, a man named George Gardner, asked one day, hey, whatever came of that girl, Maria, that you were dating? <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, right. And William... Uh, ever the gentleman responded, eh, she's all right, I suppose. She's in the keeping of Mr. Matthews, who is uh, who was her ex, the ex who she father who fathered her baby, her son. Mm. So he just kind of was like, meh, ah, who cares? Who knows? She's but back so with her with her so, old man. So he's not even trying to keep the same alibi in the same town. No, no, literally like, not even. That's a great point. Not a not a single fucking thought not to a this thought. plan. Not a fucking thought. Mm. So basically the friend's like, oh, okay, so he's... but And by the way, the other guy, the father of her child, is still in town too. So like, he's going to be like, no, she's not with me. You know, it's just so... It's like, just stupid. It's so he, stupid. God, I, it's just... I know he's not going to get away with it, which makes me happy. But if for some reason this were a cold case, I'd scream. Oh, that's when <laughs> we really want to just rip all our hair out. Yeah, no, thankfully it does have not a happy ending but like a conclusion so to speak mm -hmm. so months go by with no word from maria and i really don't know what william thought would happen like that they were just gonna forget she existed her family like i i don't know what he thought would happen but he just kept hanging around and she just never showed up and eventually when they start pestering him more and more he just leaves town for good. He's like, actually, I'm moving, which is I finally, you know, at least he's finally getting like, a head on get his shoulders. Yeah, get the hint. So he leaves town for good. And he, he tells her family, the marriage license finally arrived. I'm going to go off to Yarmouth to fetch Maria and we will bring her back to visit within the month. Well, obviously, they never came back. Mm -hmm. Maria still didn't write. And Maria's dad got three final letters from William himself. But that was it. So one day in March, Mrs. Martin finally got the courage to tell her husband something that had been bothering her. Ooh. She said to him, I think were I in your place, I would go and examine the red barn. Mm -hmm. And her husband's like, why? And she admits, I have been having these nightmares <gasps> about Maria. Oh, gosh. And apparently they started before Christmas. So this is March. And she said she's been having these dreams since right around Christmas time. That Maria is buried in the red barn. Oh, God. And the thing about it was in town, she was actually known. Mrs. Anne, the stepmother, was known for having prophetic dreams. And weirdly enough, this was something that, well, I guess it wasn't weird at all because think about how people reacted to witchcraft only you know 200 years earlier but she yeah, really tried to keep this hidden 
And her husband was like, oh, that's all poppycock. Like, you know, I don't know if he said that word, but I'd like to think he did. I didn't know anyone on earth ever said that word. (laughs) Oh, my dad does. So that's where I got it from, I guess. Got it. Uh, But so. So interesting. Okay, so I because right off the bat, my thought is, which maybe she has an issue with gore or something, but I feel like if you had a vision that close to home, like that physically close to home and that emotionally close to home, I would just like maybe want to investigate myself before like saying something like that to her dad. And like, I don't know, that's a personal thing. But, but the other thing that is much more pressing is like, how fucking stupid can this man be? Not the dad, the, this fucking William guy. Mm -hmm. Cause like, so he's been going back to the crime scene multiple times Uh And, like, he also said they left town. He couldn't have literally brought her out of town so there was no evidence of this. Like, <laughs> like okay. what was the point of this disguise and all this nonsense? Yeah, what was the ruse for? Like, you could have just, like, I don't understand why you couldn't have at least said, there's a warrant out, let's go get married, bring her to a town while she's alive so she's totally, like, like falling for the bit, and then get her away from everybody and kill her, and there's just never proof. Like, how do you... I can't imagine a crime with less thought put into it. Like, yeah, he, it's it's really stupid. And it's and like, if, of course, I'm glad it's stupid because at least it means we got to the bottom of it. But like, it's almost insulting how brazen yes. and dumb he's being because it's like, wow, you yes. really thought nobody would fucking figure this out. That's what I, I was about to say. It feels insulting because mm-hmm. like, like she wasn't one of the reasons we hated him off the bat is because she like had done nothing wrong and was like for some reason not worth his fucking time Mm -hmm. to like commit in any way or profess public adoration for Mm -hmm. but like even in death she's not even worth thinking about for a a death plan which i know is like such a fucked up thing to say but like never never in a time when she's been a part of your life have you spent five seconds even considering anything like it's i don't know it's And then you're telling stories about her. You're not even like committing, quote unquote, to the bit afterward. You're making shit up and just saying, oh, she's I don't care. She's somewhere else. It's very much the narcissist. Yes. Yes. Arrogant confidence, cockiness that you can get away with it thing. It's exactly that. And it's just insulting and upsetting. Yeah. So she's having these dreams and she, like I said, she's scared to tell her husband because he doesn't believe in any of this. He doesn't like her talking about all of it because again this carried a big stigma to mm-hmm. be like foreseeing the future you know and it just was something he was like let's keep that on the dl i don't believe in it and you need to not talk about it yeah, and shut so up. Yeah. shut up and she wasn't <laughs> fond of it either but she kept having these dreams and they happened so often that she finally was like i have to tell him mm-hmm. so she tells her husband let me quote it here I have very frequently dreamed about Maria, and twice before Christmas, I dreamed that Maria was murdered and buried in the Red Barn. Damn. And she, these dreams were so sort of realistic or so, uh, what's the word, so convincing that she actually, she had never been in the barn before, but she said she had seen the inside of it and knew where, inside the barn, where this murder had taken place so she was Damn. almost seeing the inside of it in her dreams Ugh, it almost makes you wonder if that's also like an astral projection thing right. where you're like your body is like is it a dream is, or are you really visiting there one soul is finding another or something yes yes so she tells her husband and her husband's like you know what 
fine. I'll go check out the Red Barn. And I, I also think the reason why she didn't go check it out herself is, A, she's a woman and it's like back in the 1820s. You're probably not just going to go on someone else's property and start like looking through there. Do you know what I mean? Oh, was it not? It wasn't her barn? No, no. It was uh, the Williams family's barn. Oh, this whole time I thought he killed her on her own parents' oh, property. No, no. And I was uh, like, you're so fucking stupid. No, no, no. Her, uh, His barn. And so that's why okay, that like, makes so much more sense. she didn't okay. want to trespass and, you know, look herself. It's probably dangerous. <sighs> so finally, her husband was like, OK, you know what? Maybe you're right. Let me go check out the barn. So at first, Mr. Martin was like, I don't know. This sounds a little too superstitious for me. It's just a dream. But once Mrs. Martin had one more nightmare and was like, I can't handle this anymore. I insist you go check it out. He was like, fine, I'll go. So he went to the Red Barn. He took a man named Botel and they cleaned up the floor for a better view of the dirt. And they noticed one spot that looked a little bit looser than the other floorboards. Okay. And they started pushing dirt aside and this spot gave way easily like it had just had never been like tamped down properly. Mm -hmm. It was only 18 inches deep and he stuck his mole digging device into it. Okay. And he pulled out something that seemed to be part of a human body. And so, you know, of course, they dig down and they find a human body wrapped in a heavy sack. So in some spots, the sack had started decomposing with the body, and really all they could see was this green silk handkerchief. So Mr. Martin rushed home and asked his wife, probably with like dread in his heart, what handkerchief was Maria wearing the day she left home? And she says, oh, it was a green silk handkerchief. And that's when he knew he had discovered his daughter's body. So the coroner arrived quickly, uh, pretty immediately declared it a homicide, and a jury was summoned to view the body before burial to get a total glimpse of what was going on. And although this was the early 1800s, before modern forensics, obviously, uh, the coroner was able to determine that Maria was likely strangled with the green handkerchief she was wearing. Mm. But they think she was killed by a bullet shot to the head with a pistol. Oh my god. And she had been stabbed several times with a sword. Wow, he fucking really with a sword. He really with made a sure she was sword. He wanted to know for sure she was not. It's horrible, survive. horrible. Wow. So Maria's sister Anne Martin confirmed the body's identity. She was able to recognize Maria's hair and her missing tooth uh, on the body, and also her earrings, clothes, and a comb she had mm-hmm. on her. The Martins were brought in to make statements, and Anne said she had not seen Maria since May 18th, the previous year, when William Corder came to the house to take her away with him. And Anne remembered that he had a gun with him that day because he told her not to mess with it because it was loaded. Oh, wow. Okay. Good, good sign. So as the pieces came together, the constable said he had never once had a warrant out for Maria's arrest. And he certainly didn't tell William there was one. So there you go. Already a big fat lie. Maria was already raising one child uh, with her family and the child was 10 years old at this point. And she grew up in this town. So despite like any scandals that might have occurred or like the technical criminal behavior, uh, she was really well liked. Like the constable was not after her. It, It was all made up. It was all fake. So local authorities were quickly convinced, obviously, that William was responsible for the murder. 
So April 23rd of 1828, which was almost a year since Maria's disappearance, a man named Constable Ayers traveled to London to arrest William. Now, I have a quick fun fact for you here, which is that Constable Ayers, who went to arrest William, was assisted in this kind of mission by a man named James Lee. James Lee was an officer of the London police who later led the investigation into Springheeled Jack. Shut up. I know. It's all connected. It's all connected. So Constable Ayers had actually gotten information on where William was from his own brother-in-law, George Gardner. Remember the best friend uh, who was like, hey, whatever happened to Maria? Oh, yeah. Well, that guy is the constable's brother-in-law. So he's like, oh, Oh. I know where he is. (laughs) You know, again, how did William not think, oh, the constable's brother-in-law is getting... Literally. He's starting to wonder. Like, he's getting curious and sniffing around. And I've just lied to his face. Yeah. And you you know, I don't even... I feel like I don't need to see a picture of this William guy to know exactly what he looked like. And... (laughs) You know that he somehow managed to be 100% purely fucking shocked, gobsmacked, when the constable is like, no, there's no warrant out. And and he found a way to just truly be flabbergasted that his plan didn't work. Yeah, he's like, yeah. it's it. What I'm, ge- how d- I didn't see this coming that people. You're a hundred percent onto it because I'm going to tell you all the ways which he tried to explain what happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love this fucking story. By the way, I Christine, a hundred percent. Like you're, you're really getting in the care, the mindset of this fucking guy. It's not hard when the killer yeah. is so stupid. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's embarrassing, honestly. So, yeah, he gets from his brother-in-law, George, uh, William's best friend, is like, oh, I know where he's staying in London. So he gets the address, and this constable goes and tracks down William. Of course he gave someone his address. What? Of course he gave someone his direct address. Yeah, exactly. George, the one that fucking is related to the constable. (laughs) Dummy. (laughs) And so so the constable goes to the address, and um, guess who's shocked to see him? William. William. And his wife. <gasps> oh, it the plot thickens. I just, I gotta tell you. Wow. So his wife, Mary, a little too close to home, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is like, wait, what? And so, you know, turns out he had gotten married already within the year of murdering Maria. And he was married to a woman named Mary Moore, who is the daughter of a successful jeweler. And the two of them were already running a girls' boarding school together. And they, they lived there. Like, they were... Yeah, which is also very ew in its own I way. I don't want him anywhere near children. No! Or young women. Oh no. Oh no. So, I have another fun fact here. I'm going to tell you how they met. Turns out William had moved... When he moved out of town, you know, like, finally, he just peaced out. He had placed a Lonely Hearts advertisement in the Times, and it basically requested uh, women who had some means, like who had money, who came so he from wanted, money. He literally said, I need a rich girl. Yes. That's, that's how yeah. we're doing this. And guess what? He received more than 100 replies uh, from <gasps> the Times. Weird. I would have thought all of them would have been like, fuck you. Nope. They were like, sounds good to me, because he comes from money, too. So it's like a good match, you know? 
I guess so. And maybe they were like 21-year-old spinsters. They were desperate. Oh, God forbid. God forbid. According to a book about this case by Judith Flanders, he had also placed advertisements in the Morning Herald and the Sunday Times, which received 93 replies in total, but he never even picked those up. He's like, eh, these hundred will do. I'll sort through these. Can you imagine having access to 200 eligible women who Who all want you without even looking at you? They're just like, I'm in. Yeah, no picture, nothing. They had no idea what a dummy they were going on a date I guess, with. I guess not. Um, and th- they actually ended up publishing all of these letters. Uh, I need all of them. I know! In, in a book the following year. Okay, so here it's by Anonymous. But here's the n- name of this book that contained these letters. 1828 by Anon. An accurate account of the trial of William Corder for the murder of Maria Martin of Polstead, Suffolk, to which are added and explanatory preface and 53 of the letters sent by various ladies in answer to Corder's matrimonial advertisement. That was not long Catchy enough. Catchy title. <laughs> um, also, I'm hoping you read that out of your like Amazon cart so, because you're buying you one for my birthday, just so we're clear. <laughs> I really got to get my hands on a copy. <laughs> I got to know. Imagine all the letters trying to win him over just from that Lonely Hearts advertisement. I mean, it's, uh, it's All the wild. lucky women who didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. See, that's true. what happens. If you go on a date, folks, on Tinder or Bumble or whatever, and, and you set something up and then it ends up just not panning out, you never meet them. They could have been a murderer. Dodge a bullet. You dodged a bullet. Just just dodged tell yourself, you know, even if you don't know, just tell they, yourself. Even if they're not a murderer, they could have been this stupid. Could have so, been a fucking dummy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So these are published the following year, which I just think is a delight because sometimes, you know, nothing really was good back then. But the way that they handled the media sometimes gives me a good laugh. Like they would just <laughs> publish this shit. And I was like, you know what? I got to hand it to them. They they at least knew how to entertain, you know, yeah. like we got nothing. We don't have electricity. We don't have TV, <laughs> you know, but we do have women the, can't vote. But you know what? We got, we got a good the, story for you. <laughs> the good old alphabet. And we know how to arrange it in some juicy, juicy strings of sentences. We use our alphabet for entertainment purposes. Like, good for you. <laughs> so when police tell William he is suspected of murdering Maria Martin, he said, get this M, you're going to just die. He said, and I quote, I never knew any such person, even by name. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy who's arresting him is the constable that he knows from his hometown. Like, they know each other. He's best friends with this guy's brother-in-law. It's like, like, how does... (laughs) It's literally the dumbest thing that's ever happened. Like, how does he look them in the eyes? (laughs) It's amazing. like you imagine, okay, imagine like you're him. Uh-huh. I'm the, I'm the constable, and you just said I don't know this woman that I've obviously discussed with you before. Like the eye roll, like I would, my eyes would fall into my head. Like, I wa- <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine the groan that came out of the constable being I, like, "That's liter- the game we're playing." Okay. Legitimately, and I wonder what you would say because what the constable said was, "Hmm, why don't you think carefully." I which would have laughed in his face. Which, I love. That's such a classy line. Why don't you think more on this or whatever? What I, I just love like, why don't you think carefully? Because it's sort of like, you're treading on thin ice here, pal. And we both know how stupid you're being. So why don't we just take one more shot at this? Try again. It has to be like embarrassing. Like, I can you imagine. I, I'm embarrassed. So I, I hope he's embarrassed. I can't imagine you calling me out on like, 
hey where's allison and me looking you in at in the eyes and being like who's allison and uh, i mean yes it's the same fucking thing it's like as if i'd be like do you have a head injury like i was gonna say it's almost like you have amnesia all of a sudden like there's no other explanation so he's like try again basically (laughs) which is what em would say i think i love the try again (laughs) and he continued to insist he had never met anyone named maria martin which i mean obviously i don't even need to say this but it was such a stupid lie because they grew up together in the same tiny town his own brother publicly had a baby with her so like even if people didn't know about their relationship like he obviously knew who she was so like dumb okay and so he's arrested and on the way back to polstead police said they were sure shocked by how casual William was about Maria's death as if he didn't care at all um which is not surprising to me it's they apparent keep going (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna like this next part okay they had to stop for the night to stay at an inn uh and so one of the constables handcuffed himself to William to make sure he didn't (laughs) run away and they had to sleep like that can you imagine having to sleep handcuffed to a murderer no no that's the bravest constable That's above my fucking payroll yeah not even a little bit i'd be like you're handcuffed to the wall yeah i was gonna say handcuffed to a fucking radiator yeah well i guess you want to make sure that, like you wake up if something happens but also like where's the like i would handcuff both of his hands at the very least because what if he tries to strangle me i was no, gonna say you. he could just turn around and strangle you well Anyway, so he got handcuffed to this guy. I guess nothing of note happened. Uh, That night, William actually wrote a letter to his mom to give her a heads up about the charges. Like, hey, mom, quick side note. Hey, um, girl. Hey, girl, some things are about to go down. Uh, He also asked her to please host his wife in her home and be kind to his wife and her family on his behalf, which makes me sick because he treated Maria like such shit. And now Mm -hmm. that he's married to a woman of means, he's like, please take her in and take good care of her. And it's like, you asshole. I I hope we get an epilogue of where the woman ended up where his wife seriously really pisses me off. So he apologized to his mother in this letter for the shame he was bringing to their family. Uh, He told the constables that in the last two years, one of his brothers had drowned and the other two had died of consumption. And he was actually the mother's only surviving son. And now she was basically going to lose her last remaining son, which is like horrifying. Um, Mm. And this, to be honest, seemed to be the only thing he felt guilty about, uh, which is backwards. But at least he felt guilty about something, I guess. Uh, The next day, several magistrates visited William at the inn, along with a clergyman who encouraged him to confess to his crimes and pray for forgiveness. William said he did commit great sins, but this was not one of them. So I would like him to list what he thinks a great sin is that he's committed. Round up the rest then, just for our (laughs) understanding. And then he'd be like, I don't know what a sin is. And I'd be like, oh, I've never met a sin by name in my life. Okay, sir. Okay. Then William's brother-in-law, uh, Mr. Moore. So this is Mary Moore's brother, the, the mm-hmm. jeweler's daughter's brother. Does that make sense? The one he God. married in London who had no idea yes. about his past. The yes. Lonely Hearts winner, loser. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, Depending on how definitely you look the at loser. It. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so her brother showed up on behalf of Mary, on, uh, his sister, uh, William's wife. And he said to William, how could you send letters that you were living happily with Maria Martin when at the same time you were living with my sister whom you had married? And William said, I shall say nothing about it. So that okay. was 
that was the end of that. Uh, once they got back to Polstead and William went on trial, he actually faced nine different charges. Mm, okay. This is because the coroner couldn't confirm Maria's cause of death. So they were charging him with every possibility, including shooting, stabbing, strangulation, and even burying her alive, just to throw one more on Good. top of the list. Honestly, Good. yeah, yeah. He was also being charged for forgery over cashing a fraudulent check. And I will say there was another issue that came up um, in, I think, one or two of the sources I read, that this asshole... Before Maria had even died, and by died, I mean murdered by him, uh, he had actually, they'd gotten into an argument because he had cashed a check that belonged to her. It was a five pound note, which in today's money is like $700. Mm. And it had come as child support from the, the other guy, Matthew matthews or whatever his name was mm -hmm. he had sent it to support her son and his son and this motherfucker william just went and took it and so like he's been also like taking he's also been i don't know what the right word is is it embezzling like stealing from her yeah so i don't okay. know if that was the specific charge but he went and just cleaned out her accounts which is like she doesn't have much and this is for her child and you're the one who comes from money, but still you're like taking the last of what she has to pay for her son's food. It's I think it's, I'm becoming numb to how I know to how ob fucked up obnoxious he is. this guy is. Yeah, I'm like I, it doesn't even surprise me. I'm like, of and course. like this, of course, now is like the least of the problems because he did something so much worse. But it just goes to show like what a shitty partner he was to begin with. Mm -hmm. So. You know, this being a small town, uh, many of William's own neighbors that he grew up with were subpoenaed as witnesses in the trial. There was a woman named Phoebe Stowes who lived in the cottage right by the Red Barn. And she said that one day in early May of 1827, although she couldn't confirm the exact date, William showed up to her cottage beside the barn and asked to borrow a shovel. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And she said she only had one and it was pretty junky, but he said any shovel would work for what he needed it for. So she lent him a shovel and he went on his way. Maria's younger brother was then put on stand and he repeated his statement about seeing William leaving the barn with a pickaxe. A local man claimed he had been hired by William to sharpen his sword, which in my mind shows some premeditation. I, yeah, you don't forget a word like sword. Um, uh, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely noteworthy. Noteworthy, for sure. And then, of course, there were the letters from William to the Martins claiming Maria was staying with his friend in Yarmouth, but a quick investigation proved that that was obviously a huge lie and Maria was never there. William's friend George, who's just been kind of in the middle of all this, testified that William lied about having a relationship with Maria, and then the constable talked about how oh, I arrested him. He said he'd never heard of Maria. So basically, they're just piling on to the sky, which he obviously deserves. And so at this point, William has no defense to fall back on. He's cornered. And so his attorney tries to claim that Maria died by suicide. Mm, of course. Right, right. Uh, she, so the attorney claims, oh, well, they were having an argument. And so she took the gun and, from him and shot herself. And oh, Everyone, That's the most sound thing I've heard all day. It, it really, really fills in all the gaps, right? Like, um, especially the part where she got stabbed by a sword. Like, I guess she yeah, did she that, actually, too. She actually grabbed the sword from him. Oh, and I see. just kept running it into herself. She ran into the sword, shot herself, and strangled herself, and buried herself 
So, you know. And died all of those ways independently. At too. once. So, yeah. It yep. was pretty impressive, right? So and that they, was... they actually had never met. It was what's wild. Oh, that's true. He wasn't even there. He'd never heard of her before. You're you're totally <laughs> Not right. Not in his life. Not Honestly, his that's life. pretty impressive. You're right. You're 100% right. <laughs> so basically, this is their new claim. And of course, nobody fucking buys it. Um, Nobody thinks that she really took her own life. And... Actually, William did not seem surprised at all. I think he realized when the jury returned a guilty verdict, he was like, okay, I knew this would happen. Um, And he was sentenced to hang the following week. So as you can imagine, the trial itself was a circus. People, hundreds of people were gathered outside, yelling, singing, dancing. Um, The public had already determined that William was guilty. The judge was not a fan of that. You know, he believed in a fair trial and was worried the jury's opinion would be skewed. But it didn't matter because William was like, he just kind of accepted his sentence. He didn't really try to appeal or anything like that. Mm. The day before William's execution, he signed a confession with a new version of what happened. He said, oh, well, I'll, now I'll tell you what really happened. So <laughs> buckle up. He okay. said they, <laughs> they got in an argument in this barn. And when Maria grabbed his arm in anger, he instinctively pulled out his pistol and accidentally shot her. Oh, wow. Someone's mm. trigger happy. Yeah. And also, like, he said he didn't stab her. And I'm like, okay, then who stabbed? Like the yeah, new... but someone came in and poked Later? her with a sword 40 times to it see if she was dead? It doesn't make any sense. So he's like, no, I shot her for sure, for sure, for sure. But I didn't stab her, even though my sword was really sharp. Like, come on, idiot. <laughs> so I don't know if he's just trying to get into heaven or what. Like, I really don't know by saying it's an accident. But he does claim this is an accident. Um, and so, you know, the execution goes forward. It's a spectacle. Uh, is the uh, what do you call it? Understatement of the century. Mm-hmm. Between seven and twenty thousand people showed up. We don't know the exact number. Uh, r- reporters were especially shocked by how many women were there because apparently a hanging was not considered appropriate for women, uh, especially women with wealth and standing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a quote about this, which is kind of fun. So, okay, according to one account. The number of respectable ladies present is at once a convincing proof of the intense curiosity which prevailed in this county to witness every action of quarter. For we are sure that nothing but this could have induced respectable females to have been present to witness a catastrophe so uncongenial with the delicacy of their sex. One lady, when gently chided for being present, said that she had a right to witness the end of the man who had inhumanly butchered one of her sex. Oh, I'm like, okay. yeah, yeah, girl. She's like, you know what? He murdered one of my kind. So I can be here. Fuck you. I am also. OK, so here's the thing. My brain did that thing where I heard flowery words and it started just shutting down. Oh, yeah. I, I figured maybe that would happen. But I know that if that happened to me, that certainly happened to him. And I like that she humbled him that way. Yeah, she absolutely humbled him, which I love. Basically, they were like, oh, this is such a. a uh, Mm, un unwomanly event why would you come here and she's like you know what he killed one of my own so i can be here and listen i don't agree with public hangings that's the least of what i like 
<laughs> you know, et cetera. Yeah, I at think all. we know that. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, but but in general, I just think that's a lovely like uh, retort. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a good comeback of like fuck you. He did this. I'm allowed to do it. Like yeah. I'm allowed to be uh, here for my. Why kind. are you yelling at me? Also, like, why are you chiding this stranger for being there? Like, fuck off. Anyway, yeah. it just really pissed me off. So I actually have a picture. Um, I have a couple pictures here. This is a crowd uh, that had gathered at the hanging. Um, which just kind of goes to show like how many people it's a drawing uh, depiction. I'll send it to the group. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a lot of people. It's a big crowd. That's hundreds of people. And again, this is like a really small town. So this was people quite were coming in from all over, coming in from all over. Which like, I can't, I can't process the fact that people used to travel I to know. watch someone get executed. That's beyond. And like have picnics and shit. Ugh, yeah, well, we could get into that forever. So in his fi- final moments, William addressed the huge crowd and he said, I am guilty. My sentence is just. I deserve my fate and may God have mercy on me. I was going to say, let me guess. Now he's doing it for Jesus. For God. All, of course. Of course. All of a sudden so he can get into heaven in the last moment. Well, obviously, M. So mm-hmm. I have one more photo here. Oh, okay. So it's like oh. a it's like a sketch of the hanging itself, and I just it's so wild to me that at the top it says this print is given gratuitous. So like this print is given for free to the purchasers of Weekly Dispatch. So basically, if you bought that paper, like you got this fun free print, this poster included. Like when I used to get magazine subscriptions, I always wanted like the the centerfold it was like a like a tiger beat poster of like uh-huh. dream street but with this magazine you can get a hand-drawn sketch of someone who was at the execution a noose jeez louise oh my god oh, well, oh and don't worry it also explains at the bottom here um let's see hangman hang the hangman is adjusting the rope around the prisoner's neck while an assistant is supporting the wretched man okay well i feel anyway. like if you have to caption your drawing your drawing probably wasn't that good or like oh great point <laughs> i uh, mean it was a great drawing but like, i think i think i'm sensing some insecurity from the artist yeah yeah i think we get it um so that is the picture uh so there were a couple rumors that kind of circulated afterward and this one is pretty wild uh i don't believe it's true but it's it's interesting how people's minds work. One of the rumors was about the dreams Anne was having. And Anne, the stepmother, was actually only a year older than Maria. So her stepmother was only a year older. And one rumor stated that she, the stepmother, and William Corder had been having an affair as well. What? And that the two had planned the murder to dispose of Maria uh, and that her, quote unquote, dreams were just a way of getting William, like, pinned down for this so she could be free of the drop, like, free of the of the blame. But again, this seems like quite a stretch. Um, What a stretch. Yeah, it sounds more like if they were in on it together, she got guilty and like used her visions. But also like, honestly, I'm surprised this story ended without all of the men turning on the woman with like relatively witchy gifts. Like, I know that could have so easily. And I can understand like a hundred years earlier, it probably would have gone that way. I mean, how easy like, oh, you're only a year different than his daughter. You're jealous of her Mm -hmm. or something like she's so beautiful. She's so loved around town. 
Yeah. I'm, no, you're I'm totally shocked. right. It I'm had, shocked it, and that I, that's probably why she spent months not saying anything about her mm-hmm. dreams, you know? Yeah. So once this guy was hanged, his body was put on display for a whole day um, with the skin of his chest peeled back so that <gasps> everyone could see his muscles. What? Why? Because it was the 1820s. I don't that, know. <laughs> what the fuck is the reason for that? Oh, it gets weirder. So they hang also... Hang on, hang on. Sorry. Okay, say it again. Say it again. He got... He, they, they, they skinned his chest? Uh-huh. They put him on display with the skin oh. of his chest peeled back to display his inner muscles. Okay. And this was basically just put... Like, since he's a criminal, basically, they were like, well, we can kind of do anything we want. And since the average person wasn't able to, like, see something like this in their everyday life, thousands of people came by to, like, witness this. So they turned this into a fucking science class or something. Yes. Wild. And they also did a demonstration in front of students at Cambridge where they attached a battery to his limbs (gasps) to demonstrate the contraction of muscles and, like, how... You could kind of make a body move even after death, which is so oh my disturbing. God. Uh huh. Um, and now I have one more photo for you here, or one more picture. If it's his muscles contracting no, from a battery, Christine. I'm sorry, I won't. I promise I would not be doing that. Um, so here's just like a little uh, penny dreadful uh-huh. of, uh, of this oh. story. It's just like a little. Oh, that's violent. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing. And this was turned into like a whole theater play. Like people, it just had so many different aspects to it. Like the, the murder, the uh, the supernatural dreams, the execution. Definitely could be thrown in as a theater production. Yes, and it was. Here's actually, I'm sending you a picture now, um, of. Uh, an illustration of a man doing a puppet show for children of okay that's a lot (laughs) it's called the murder of maria martin in the red barn for kids and at the bottom interestingly it says the peep show which you know you just take that and run with it i guess so uh i have another random fun fact for you which is that doctors uh they didn't have access to his brain so they used his skull and did some phrenology on it um you know where you kind of mm-hmm. touch the bumps the bumps and all that uh which you know it, this is my my time to point out that uh phrenology is a totally uh, bogus science and is um rooted in everything bad so racism sexism eugenics basically has been used over the centuries to prove uh that certain races are superior and it's all bunk science obviously none of it's real so you know just just so everyone's aware Do of what this. you will with that yes but so of course they examined his brain um him being a criminal and all or not his brain i'm sorry his skull and uh they they determined that the parts of his skull that represented secretiveness and destructiveness were more developed. But then the areas that housed good traits like benevolence and kindness were underdeveloped. It's like, okay, well, I could have told you that from not looking at his skull. I was going to say, I think anyone with like, I don't know, two ounces of common sense could have said all that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't need his bones to tell me. Um, So (laughs) in the final act of his sentence, William's body was flayed. Uh, His skin was tanned and used to bind a book. 
What was and, the book? Oh, let me tell you. The book Was it the book about his like 93 yes! love letters? <gasps> oh wait, no. What? Sorry. I thought you were going to say it was a book about his crimes. So it was a it was the story of the Red Barn murder and then they bound the story in his own skin. That feels like it's its own crime, but it is. I mean it to me at least so who would want to pick that up? I mean, I no. I was gonna say I get it. No, I don't. I no. Um, I was gonna say like the, to to hold a book like that was of the I, person. I know of that was the like person. Ugh. Kind of a common thing back then. Not a common thing, but like remember there was one in Boston, a library in Boston that had like books, books made of, of skin. skin. Yeah, it was like kind of a thing, but I don't really. This seems just like kind of showy and weird. Um. And so, uh, yeah, so they basically wrote a book about his crimes and then made the book out of his skin. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck? That is, it is crazy. Like, like if there was like a museum for serial killers, I mean, like, like uh, the Zach Bagans Museum, Mm. there's the room that is all about serial killers and there's like Charles Manson's actual like glasses and shit. Mm -hmm. And it is weird to be so close to that stuff and not in an enjoyable way, by the way, no, it's like very no. gut wrenching. And I guess if you're into that kind of stuff to hold a book about a criminal and it's made of the criminal. Yeah. I guess if that's your thing, but yeah, other than that, I can't imagine wanting, it's no. the same concept of like, would you wear a shirt that a killer wore? It's like, right. do I no. want to read a book while I'm touching of his skin? The killer? Nah. Nah. No, nope. I'm not even I'm a little bit to be super honest. Good. I'm super good. Thank you. <laughs> super good without that. <laughs> um, so this is the last of it. Basically, his widow, Mary Moore, um, apparently advertised for sale the glasses he was wearing at the trial. So I guess to make some money off it. Hey, I'm not like sure. Like I just said. Yeah, someone's going to probably buy it. And a tobacco box that featured Maria's face on it, which is like, ooh, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the book itself and uh, the other remains, including his death mask that they had made, are actually still on display um, in Suffolk at the Moises Hall Museum. So if you really are interested, you can go see it. And then my last bullet point here, in 2007, a woman who was apparently distantly related to William, though not by blood, requested that these items be taken down and buried in a respectful manner. But a man more closely related to William and by blood said, nope, I'd like them to stay in the museum. So in the end, the woman withdrew her request and the display remains today. Wow. Huh. The end. (laughs) What a scandal. What a man. You really that was a good roller coaster, man. You know, when I say good one, I obviously don't mean good one. But that was um, definitely one full of banter. That's one that, like, yes. if I were sitting at a restaurant and I overheard someone telling that story, Ugh. I'd be like, girl, what? Like, I'd so, be like, Em, are you listening to anything I'm saying? And you'd be like, no, because you are not as interesting as people I'd be at like, that table. Christine, shut your mouth. Shut we'll talk your later. I was like, damn we're listening. Mouth. <laughs> there are yeah, times, so. you, you know you're in good company at a restaurant when uh, you're sitting there and both of you, without saying anything, oh, yeah. Like mutually agree to shut up because it's something juicy is happening. Activity. It's my favorite. Mm. Um, I'm just gonna send you a picture of the red barn too while we're at it. But basically, uh, the red barn, just like everything else that seems to have happened in that era, 
excuse me, was taken apart piece by piece by looky loos who wanted to come and storm Great. the crime scene. And so people were taking planks of wood and like making souvenirs and just, you know, all that gross stuff. So it basically was like picked apart. But Oy. here is a an illustration of it um, from back Jeez. in the day. Wow. wow. Well, Christine, well done. Thank you. I'm sorry it was so long. I, I really thought, oh, this is going to be a short one. <laughs> it Whenever there's an opportunity. To, it, I had like 45 minutes worth of things to say about that stupid fucking mole. With the, I so. was going to say, I had you at mole, and then we were kind of downhill that, from there, so to speak. I stand by what I said. That mole looks like a Pokemon gone wrong. It's There's something I've, going on. <laughs> it does look a little bit like a Pokemon glitch, and you yeah. kind of like forgot it's half its face or like yeah you certainly I, I can forgot see the that. eyes and the nose <laughs> okay i see it all right you know what um uh, someone who listens probably has a mole and is incredibly offended i'm sorry but i'm really offended is, so it's a honestly it's a shock to the system when you see an I'm animal without side. a face um oh, please okay well anyone thank thank you uh so much for listening and uh when this comes out we'll be Almost 31 and 32. That's Isn't so, so beautiful. Wild? We we started this at 24 and 25. Dear Lord. <laughs> Not to like totally age us cool but, uh, can you save that for sad happy hour please because i'm not <laughs> ready to discuss it <laughs> all right if you Thanks. guys are uh, anyway. part of if you're part of our patreon you want to go listen to us talk more because two and a half hours was not enough for you um <laughs> you can do that we're gonna go have an after chat so we'll see you there and all right sounds good oh i never get used to this and maybe when i'm when i'm 40 that's why we drink BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.